Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post What up, friend? Round of applause for you, man. I'm not gonna get into any political shenanigans right now, but uh, what a couple of months it has been for the postal industry. Congratulations on this wave of insane COVID-related, pandemic-related shenanigans yeah. coming to an end, but it's now holiday season. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just rolling. It's just rolling into another thing yep. that's stressful and everything like that. So I know you know hard work is right. You know you're in the midst of that, regardless. Yeah, but it's good for that whole thing to be over. And I would expect for that truck, you pull that truck up here and you can get these ballots up out of my basement, man. Because you was bringing these boxes over here every time you come over here. And the election's over now, so you can get these, you know, these uh, ballots you've been sneaking away from. Yeah, you can't, you can't be, you, nah, you can't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be saying that, no. dog. Nah. Comedy. That is not true. That is not true at all. Funny jokes. <laughs> that's like, that's yeah, like you saying, hey, man, look, I got to. I'm gonna I'm delete that them pictures of you throwing the mail in dumpster. You can't, you okay. can't say shit like oh, that. You can't, no, no funnies on that. Nah. Okay, yeah, no, I, that's just comedy style. That's just some jokes. <laughs> nah, I have, have the mob outside your house. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's just that's just fun. That's just funny style. There's no balance in my basement. Nah, uh, uh. Q Annan is typing this up right now. Like, okay, yeah, okay, that, those two black podcasters, they are the ones that stole the balance. Yep. Um, yeah, no, but uh, jokes aside, friend, what's going on, man? How's it going? It is. 
We are mit, uh, in the midst of the holiday season, as I said. How are you preparing? What's going on? Um, it's rough right now because um, I'm glad the election is over because I think what they was doing was the ballots was so so much of a priority, was so uh-huh. important that they was like holding off other types of mail, like sure. I guess like junk mail, sure, so we can get to pay that. full attention on the ballots. Get those out. Is it crucial to deliver that junk mail though? I mean, I like nobody wants it, man. Real talk. Let's yeah, nobody it. wants it. I, mean, I guess it keep, but it's like it keeps the post office alive in a way. Or? Yes, because they pay, and got then it, also, but it. if it's like a hundred people that go, I don't want this. Yeah, there's like five people that that will be like, oh, I, need I didn't get that. I didn't get this today. My Murray's, my and, giant coupons, and and those my five, coupons. yeah, those five people is like, oh, now we have to deliver it. Yeah, because because they'll, they'll like write a letter. They will call yeah. and like I didn't get. This, this this week and it's like the, the oh my goodness the the parallel of that of how often i'm like okay cool a check and the rest of this i go trash throw this in the recycling yes. bin, and somebody being like i didn't get my michael's uh craft store uh, coupons real thing, i'm man. gonna call them they call up there that I is such a hilarious if it comes parallel. out tuesday get it on tuesdays i didn't get it i didn't get this this week yeah and it's like just go get that man go give him one just just go but Excuse me, I did not get my magazine to Sunday Morning Magazine, and there's a ton of valuable coupons in there, and I'm leaving you guys a bad re- review on Yelp. Oh, yes. So. People people wait for that stuff, man, but I'm glad that's over. It's now peak season. I don't think peak season this year is going to be as bad as previous because yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazon has his own their own thing now. Yes. Last year, they didn't. We was running Amazon on Christmas. Amazon hey. has their own their, their own uh, delivery drivers now. Yes, yeah, so. Sierra ordered a printer, and it was like, it'll be there in December late December. Oh, so shit. I'm sure they probably are getting hit with their wave of oh yeah. a ton of shit being yeah. bought. They get all these de- one one day deals and all kinds of stuff. I tried to tell her like we are we're prime we're prime members. That that'll change. But yeah. then I thought about it and I said, Oh no, it's like November. Yeah. People are buying Christmas stuff. Oh yeah. Right so that probably won't change. But yeah. she doesn't need a printer immediately. But other than that, it's good. Everything's everything's cool. Um this is kind of a late night recording. It's unusual yeah. for us yeah, on yeah. a Sunday but it's all good. I'm we here. make it happen, man. We, yeah. we, we, we gotta make it happen, man. We gotta get. How's, gotta get. how's it going with you? Good, man. I have no complaints, really. Uh, you know, I'm a person who gets a. You know, I have I have dealt with like mild depression in yeah. my life. Like I just had. You know, it, it, as you get older, you start to learn stuff about yourself. Yeah. Like you know, sometimes I just have like a week of I don't really want to talk to anybody. I yeah. just be in the house and you know. I went, when is the day over? Yeah. Like at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm like, man, when is this shit is, this day needs to come to an end. Yeah. Right? So I get in those kind of little, uh, 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 ups and downs, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm coming out of one of those just cause it's, um, it's just been a bad year. For, oh, for sure. You know, just, and way worse for a lot of people. Yeah. But I think that me and Sierra have this conversation a lot because she's very much a person. She's an optimist. So she'll be like, it's somebody doing worse out there yeah, than, yeah. than than I am, so I can't like live in my feelings. And I like I contest that because even seeing somebody have a bad life year yeah. situation, like I wear that. You yeah, know I mean? like for I, that, sure. you know that affects me. And it's been a shitty year for a lot of people. Yeah. So that has a, a tendency to weigh down on a person. Yeah. You know? Well, for, the same for me because you go, what makes me for me anyway? It makes me what what. What about me makes me different than the other person? Not much, man. 
And it's like we're all you that, know. that whatever that's happening to that person can also happen to me. Absolutely. And it's like I'm just I'm just lucky, I guess. You it's just luck. Really. It can, yeah, and 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 uh people there's there's such a small, minute fraction of a difference in your life going good and your life going yeah. bad. You know? Um I think, you know, you can manifest good things in your life and everything, but sometimes you just get dealt a shitty hand. Yeah. And you can play your way out of a hand sometimes, but some, sometimes you don't have enough. You don't have enough. This hand is so bad and it's so crucial and you got such a small window of time to yeah. make this play into something. You don't even have enough time to turn that hand into something, you know? So uh, every, you know, you know, I, I am fully aware of the color of my skin in this country. I'm fully aware of, you know, the fear of black men in this country. I'm fully aware of all of that. That being said, I'm doing incredibly better than a lot of people. So while I recognize that plight, I have that, you know, I wake up every day and have a, a slight paranoia and a fear and all those kind of things. I, I'm, I'm employed. Uh, I make decent money. And, you know, life is good. I could I could be worse off than a, I could be worse off. There's a lot of people that I know personally that are worse off than me. So while I do sit in that and appreciate that, I also have I've discussed on this podcast before of like having a little bit of survivors, survivors remorse. Yeah. Because <clears throat> mm-hmm. like what you just said, because it's like. I dropped out of college. I, you know, I was not excelling in school. You know, I have my reasons for that. I just don't feel like the the way that the curriculum was set up for people like me, it just doesn't work. I'm very visual and just parroting stuff in, from a book to me. It doesn't really stick. Yeah. Um, But I, I've underachieved and over exceeded, you know what I mean? Like I've, I mean, I'm sorry, I've underperformed and overachieved. Like yeah. I, I did nothing miraculous. And I, I sit here in, in a pretty good position in life. Yeah. And I'm like, I know people that could jump out of the gym or, you know, could do this or seem like really smart kids, whatever, and are, are in terrible places in life right now. Yeah. Due to drug addiction, you know, mistakes in their life, whatever. So I do think about that stuff sometimes. And that weighs on me a bit because it's like, you know, what did I do? And the answer is nothing, really. I guess the I guess the answer is I kept my nose clean. Yeah. That's one thing nobody can say about me I, my nose is clean as shit i was the person that was like nah man let's not do that yeah you know in any any situation that we might have been in i was the person to be like no let's not do that you know so i kept by the my, way i wasn't the person that go hey let's do this no just for, no, people, just, for sure no I but, <laughs> no i wasn't saying you were but yeah. it's been some times we've been in the group and you know and the person who is doing that we might go okay, cool, we're good today. Like, you know, if some shit pops off, we're good. Mm. You know, we've been in a couple of situations like that where, it's, you know, if, if if a fight broke out, we know we have the better odds yeah. in situations like that. But after situations like that, regardless of how, to, how it played out, good or bad, I'll go home and I'm like, never, never again. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. You know, some people might chase yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that was, we got in a fight this weekend. That was great. Let's yeah. go do it again next week. I come out of that, man, that was crazy. Yeah. You knocked them out. Yeah. Oh, that was wild. Let's never do that again. Yeah. I don't even really want to hang with them. Right. That's me. I, that was crazy. I was with a smile on my face. That was crazy, man. Yeah. That was wild. <laughs> Yo, if you hang out with them, don't call me anymore, okay? <laughs> that's that that was me. So I I mean, that says a lot in a, I guess that's saying a lot in a city like this. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I guess. But if that's the only thing that I did and, and I've managed to, you know, be, you know, twenty eight. And alive in America, as you know, you know, I beat a lot of odds. I feel like if that's the only thing that I did, 
I I feel bad about it. I feel yeah. bad about it. You know, I I, I do. It, you know, it, it hits me sometimes. But anyway, uh, to answer your question, I'm I'm good, man. Life's good. You know, fridges fridges got food, and a lot of people are not able to say that, so I can't really make any complaints. You know, I definitely have no complaints to make. But like I said, it's been a rough year, and it's it's still a rough year. Some people, you know, like like I said, um, the election is over as far as I'm concerned. It's still some stuff playing out. I'm not going to get into the politics of it. There's a lot of people that were really happy this weekend, but there's some people that were not. Right? That's energy. Yeah. I what I'll say to people listening to this podcast because I'm sure there's some people that feel one way, some people that feel another way, and I'm not here to, you know. Get into that here. What I will say is whatever energy you're feeling, good or bad, frustrated, whatever, it's energy. Take that energy and go do a good. Go make a difference in the world. Yeah. You know, go make a change in the world. Go make this country into what you want it to be. You know, fuck up whoever is in the house or what, who, be your own leader. Go out and make a difference in the country for yourself. Be the change you want to see in the world and take that energy that you have and manifest it into change. That is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of this year and into 2021. And um, I suggest other people do the same. Yeah. Um, I do have uh, uh, an email I actually wanted to read because it does kind of coincide with my story that I'm going to be doing later in the show. Yeah. Before oh, you get oh, to oh, that, please, I wanted to speak on the day I had on Saturday. Please. Um, just uh, I, uh, you probably see my post on Twitter and some of the listeners probably see my post on Twitter. So I'm doing my route, and then uh, I had to go past uh, a car shop. So it was a car shop owned by an African, this African guy. Sure. So I'm walking up, and then there's this altercation with him and this white guy about uh-huh. something, whatever. So they arguing, and the white guy like, "Hey man, give my I want my money back." Black guy, and the African guy like, "I'm not giving you your money back. I, yeah. I did the service I was supposed to do, whatever." Um, and I guess I think it was like a car battery he was bringing back or whatever. Sure. So I'm walking past, and he arguing or whatever. And I slow up. I was like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. So I slow up my my walking pace. Mm-hmm. This, 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 you, 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 you nigger. And I was like, I, I, from a mile away, uh-huh. I knew it was coming. Yeah, you you can see the right down I the wall. I knew it was. I knew it was. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Mm-hmm. It's like I, sometimes I go, I'm not shocked, but then I am shocked. Well, that's the thing. It's like um, I'm trying not to. Go into the politics thing. There's a there's a there's a contingency of people in this country that have been exposed over this four years yeah. of this whole uh presidency, right? And people think that because as of now, Joe Biden is projected to be the next president. It's yeah. like, we did it. Like it's over now. No, man. Those people have all yeah. been the light has been yeah. sh- shined on those people. And that's something that we have to deal with as a country. It's not over now because Joe Biden is the president or whatever, you know, like, you know, there's still work to be done. Yeah. Also, I was a very I was a, I was a fervent person on this podcast saying I don't really bang with Joe Biden like that. Yeah. Right now I voted for him. But people, there's work that we all need to do as a country. Yeah. You know, you know so so don't think that like, oh, we did it. It's over now. Yeah. There's still going to be incidences like that. That's just the world. Yeah. Obama, who, whoever that was. the yeah. That's just the world. So you're going to come across incidences like that now. I think that's a very, it's it's that's a very bold incident to come across on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, just out on the street. It's Saturday morning, bro. Yeah, I, um, but that's the world we live in. That's not going that's anywhere. Crazy. That's I get it, anywhere. but it's just like for me to go. 
I know, I know this, I know what I know what this is about what's about to happen. Here. Sure. Yeah, you, you could already see what was about to happen. Yeah, I know. It wasn't just like a bad business happening. Even if that was what was happening, that's in his back pocket yeah. to really go double fuck you. Yeah. Like fuck you for my for whatever thing I feel like you slighted me on the business. Yeah. But also let me dehumanize you real quick. Yeah. And on I, top of I, I know it was coming. And then that afternoon, Saturday, uh, I'm doing some overtime and then this house. <laughs> I've been to this house before. This guy is fucking, this guy's nuts. I done told my supervisor or whatever, like, this guy, y- y'all need to watch this dude. Yeah. Because you go up to his house, he got the Trump flag, he got the Confederate flag. It's the, I'm a racist starter pack. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he got the, the Trump flag, a dirty Confederate flag, top. and then the American flag in his, in his yard. Mm-hmm. So I go up. He already, he can tell, you can tell this dude's having a bad day, mm-hmm. but he's like cussing and pacing or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a carry motherfucker. I'm a carry motherfucker that that voted. What's a Trump is a Republican, right? Uh-huh. I'm a vote every motherfucker that that voted Democrat. Yeah, and I was like, you know what, man, just here's your mail, here's your shit. Yeah, and I'm gonna go, and then when I when I loop back around, I can hear him saying something about the mailman, something. I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna entertain that, bro, because I'm at work. Yeah, so I'm gonna let you go and have your little your little downtime, whatever you have. I know you're going yeah. through. it. He was pacing, cussing. Yeah, I was like, oh, you was like a. Having tantrum. Oh my goodness! Man. I, was like, I was like, "That's for you to say something like that is wild, man." Yeah, it, it just, um, I don't know, man. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing. I just want, I just, I just, I wanted to tell you about my day. Yeah, I wanted to call you, but I was like, "I'm gonna wait to tell you on the podcast." I just want uh, to talk about yeah. it. But it was just like, it, it's wild, man. It's the shit you got to deal with, and then for the rest, throughout my day, I'm like, you feel just it, it makes your mood. I was having a good day. It throw you off. No, I get that. I was having a that's good a day. lot to that's a lot to uh to to sit on your shoulders, man. Yeah. I, I, words matter, you know. I'm, I'm yeah, very yeah. much. I, I'm a very big fan of of freedom of speech and everything. I think people should. Be, I think context matters, um, and I think people should be able to say something if it has a point, right? And then it's the job of the people to, you know contradict what that person's saying, rebut it, you know, you know, whatever. But to just say some hateful shit yeah. and make but, threats to people, but it's like, it's I, like what I, kind of energy? Are you yeah, it's like, the I knew, world, it's like I knew, it's like I knew, I knew what he, I knew what he was saying by not saying it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it was like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna kill every month. I know what you meant because yeah, yeah. you said it when I was right here. As soon yeah. as I came up, yeah. so I know exactly what you meant. Yeah, and he wanted me to hear you. He want, yeah, he wanted me to hear it, and he wanted me to to attack him or or try to get some type of uh, revenge or he wanted some he wanted, something to come out of me. He wanted to instigate. Yeah, he wanted me to say something. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not falling for that. Cause you, I'll I'll beat your ass out here. You like eighty years old. I will fuck you up out here. <laughs> I take this damn mail bag. Yeah, I'm not even gonna say it. I can't even say it. Come on, man. I, 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 don't, I don't already got you flagged with the with the conspiracy yeah. joke. You know the the uh, the Q and people are gonna be in your mailbox uh, DMs tonight. So you don't want to be also threatening to beat up old racist people. <laughs> but they do forget that these hands work. Yeah, man. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Fuck this I, job. Yeah. I will knock your ass out, man. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um the email that i was gonna read was from a young lady named claire uh she sent it probably about a week ago at this claire huxtable uh no it's not claire huxtable. <laughs> let me let me just check really quick no oh, it's not God. claire huxtable um her name is claire and the subject is reimagining policing and uh versus defunding police which mm-hmm. is a conversation that we, that we have with billy and paul on mm-hmm. uh the murder squad which is where she heard us and um she said that she you know she heard the interview and she heard that we mentioned uh 
that there was a big difference between the phrase defunding the police and reimagining the way policing in this country is done. Yeah. Which is, she, and, she, and she says, which she thinks is um, a critical shift in the conversation. Now, before I continue, I just want to say, I believe there is a big difference in those two things. I do too. I, be, I don't believe that there should be like no police, right? But that's what people mistake defund the police mean. Yes. And there, but let's be clear. There are some people that's, it's just, conversations have so many different pockets and like break off branches. There are some people who believe that there should be like no police, right? Just because they're bad and whatever. Right now, my reason why I think that's a ridiculous thing to say is institutional racism exists. Mm -hmm. The war on drugs exists and it's destroyed uh, inner city uh, black and brown communities for decades. And that's actually part of the story I'm going to read today. There are also bad people in the world. Yeah. There are people who just want to hurt people and, 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 and steal from people and do things like that. And you got to be able to call somebody. It's not always a mental health crisis. Yeah. Sometimes the dude is just a bad, uh, there's just a bad person yeah. that needs to be apprehended. Right. So I think the structure of policing still needs to be, you know, that whole law and order thing has been like demonized. And I think that's because it was demonized and made to scare people. But people do things in the society that we live in because there's laws and order. Yeah. If I steal this, I'll go to jail. Yeah. That's why people don't steal from people for, for the most part. But then there's some people that's like, there's some people shit. that are like, I don't give a shit. And there's, yeah. also, there's also people that are like, well, I'm hungry and I'm desperate and I need to steal. Yeah. And that's terrible. But there's also some people that are just like, man, fuck it. I, I steal cars. That's what I do for a living. Yeah. I steal cars. Yeah. But, but why, why? To me, that didn't. Me hearing that go. Hearing people go, oh, it shouldn't be no police. Yeah. Like you call and nobody, nobody's on, it's well, like, no, the, nobody's the, on the other line. The idea is, and and there's going to be some people who have some shit to say about what I'm saying. And that's fine. Okay, send, yeah. send me the literature and I would like to read it. Yeah. Now, from what I've studied and learned, the idea is that we, we revert to more of a community policing each other thing, right? Yeah. Which also like is going to, is my story yeah. this week, right? About... What can happen when communities try to police themselves and how you have to deal with that before you talk about, man, police, take the fucking year off. We got this. Th- but this a prime example is that of that if, is what happened to uh uh what's his name in um damn what the hell is his name? They lynched that man. What's what what was that? It was this year. Oh, Ahmaud Arbery? Ahmaud Arbery. That's what happens when people police and handle situations on their own. And, and 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 it can go bad, yeah. right? You know, and you can have the that, facts. It can go where, the worst that it, it can go, go. The worst possible, right? <laughs> so, and so again, I'm already ready for the emails to come. Please send them. I'm ready for them. But my that's the I believe that's the idea for the people that are saying no police. Okay, right now, what Claire was bringing to my attention and what I appreciate is what I've is what I believe defund the police was talking about, which is, and that's why I, I posed it to Billy and Paul that way, which was let's change the what that let's change the term and just talk about a shift in what policing is in this country. Right. So to finish off her email, she says she wanted to share an article, uh, with a video from a company that she works for that really, uh, uh, breaks down what reimagining the police looks like. And so she reached out to us and she sent us, she sent us a video link to it. And it's from, uh, the organization is called free think. And, um, I watched the video and they just kind of, it's things like, if there's an, a medical health emergency call a, you know, a met, a, a mental health, I mean, a mental, if a mental health call is made, a mental health specialist shows up hand in hand 
with a police officer there to kind of make sure shit doesn't get out of control. Yes. Right. Letting people who are there to actually, you know, you know, deescalate and mitigate the situation that is at hand as opposed to just putting the kibosh on everything. Yeah. Because that's the job of a police, a, a police officer. They wear many hats, but their job is to get a handle on the situation. Everybody get hands, hands on butts, sit down on the curb and shut up. Yeah. That is not always the proper phone call. Uh, that's not always the proper call for, uh, you know, somebody having some kind of mental episode, somebody who's schizophrenic, yeah. somebody who, you know, is old, overdosing on drugs, anything like that. So the video that she sent me was from all these different pocket cities because um, I was under the idea that this is like a fantasy. We're like, how do we get to this? But there are some cities throughout the country. There's some um, cities in Colorado. There's some cities in Oregon that are, you know, they have basically you know, uh, ambulance workers or like emer emergency service workers mm -hmm. who co come out to those kind of calls uh, and, 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 and mitigate, you know, uh, you know, people who are on the street dealing with drug addiction and things yeah. like that. Just a different way to handle, you know, petty issues because there's a lot of people who are strung out on drugs in this country. Yeah. Right. So those people don't need to just be thrown in the jail cell. They need assistance and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's some controversy about what Oregon just did. They just legalized everything. Right. And that's a, they, they, they are a, 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 sit, a, a state that's going to have a lot of eyes on them because it's either going to work out really well or people are going to go. That was a total failure. And th that's a, an awful idea. Yeah. So I've been really paying attention to Oregon, Oregon in 2021 because uh, I have some utopian ideas about how that can work. I've seen it work in Switzerland and, and th through some research that I've done. It, it seems to work in Switzerland for the most part. Um, this is not. I'm we're not experts on this shit. So I'm just kind of just talking about my utopian views or how the world, I think the world should go. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've, it's not just like, Oh, everybody should come here and just, everybody's doing heroin on the streets. I believe if they're doing it the way that I have seen it done, there's a more of a plan and, and more heart to it than that. Yeah. It's not just like, Oh, Oregon's Amsterdam. Now you can come here, you can do smoke crack, you can do heroin on the road and whatever. I think there's, there's more to it than that. And we just got to see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, shit, all right. pipe. Shit, that shit had me fuck you up about like thirty minutes. The water, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Throat's all scratchy. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get into this celebration, man. Okay. Up first, we got Olivia G. Shout out to you, Olivia G. That is what you are, and that is your last name, a G. Uh, let, up next, we got Rachel V. Shout out to Rachel V. She has a fox as her photo. So, shout out to her. Oh, this is... Ooh, plot twist. I think this they threw me a curveball. This one is S. White. Okay. They didn't give their first name. They gave their last name. Mm. I see you trying to keep me on my toes, and I respect it. Yeah. Up next, we got Bernadette B. Okay. Love that name's timeless name. Double B. You, double B, exactly. R.P. R.P. Yeah. Uh, Big, Big Black yeah. uh, from Robin Big. Also, I would love to hear from Bernadette. How old are you, Bernadette? I'm sure that's rude to ask women, but you know, you never see like, you never see like a fine young Gladys. Yeah. You never see like a fine young Bernice. Yeah. You never see like a fine young Bernadette. It just feels like a a a, 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 a name that doesn't get named to people anymore. Well, she was just dropped in at whatever age. Yeah, like she you is. just were born. Yeah. Forty four. Not yeah. even like old. Just like. 
you, you're done with it. Yeah. I don't have time to be on the dating scene. I was born 42 years old. I like a nice cognac before bed, yeah. and I don't have time for nonsense. Don't be playing on my yeah. phone. Aggressive like and, and very intimidating to me. Yeah, but also, but heart. Yeah. A Bernadette is like, you know, don't don't wear shoes in my house. Yeah, she don't play no games. Did you eat today? Yep. That's, that's a Bernadette. Yeah. Don't bring mud in my house. Close my door and don't slam it. Yeah. Are you hungry? Let me fix you a plate. All it's all. That's the tough love. Yeah, tough love. Yep. Bernadette's a tough love name. Yep. I don't picture a Bernadette like I'm on TikTok, guys. Yeah. TikTok dancing. It's me, Bernadette. It just it it feels crazy. That <laughs> you know that's that's a that's like a time a time a, a name from a time. Yeah. So I I love to hear like she's like I'm 15 years old. It's like okay, <laughs> shout out to your parents yeah. bringing back the classic names. Uh, up next we got Siobhan. That's another Siobhan. And yep. you know why I like I know that name Siobhan is because of the so, the show Secession. Because at at glance the name is chaos. It's it's Siobhan. That's how the name oh, looks. Okay. But you got to know how to Siobhan. you got to know how the you got to know how the letters blend in and come out mm. to be Siobhan. Siobhan. But the name is chaos at face value. It's S I O B H A N. Okay. But it's Siobhan. Yeah. That's magic. That's the magic of words, and I fuck with it. Up next, we got Lexi. No last name. Shout out to you. It looks like your picture's a parakeet. You must be in the birds. Yeah. I like aviate. Uh, what is that? A- aviary? Whatever. I don't know. Bir- what? Birds. Yeah. I fuck with, I fuck with birds. Uh, up next, we got Jenny K. Her picture looks like Winona Ryder. If that's not Winona Ryder, you favor Winona Ryder. You should be Winona Ryder for Halloween. Maybe a Winona Ryder and Beetlejuice. Uh, lastly, we got... Ooh, this might be another... That might be another company plug. We got Sticky Sounds Zine. Mm. Shout out to you, Sticky Sounds. Okay. That sounds like you fucking smoked the dankest weed. <laughs> shout out to you. And shout out to Sticky Sounds. Sounds yeah. like you just like fucking smoke weed and listen to Fish and fucking Dave Matthews Band and fucking Widow Wood carvings. I fuck with it. And I might be making all that up. <laughs> you but might that's, be completely wrong. Yeah, that's the vibe you give off, though, Sticky Sounds. And I fuck with it. Anyway... That's our celebrating for this week. I know we went into a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, deep conversations that we didn't finish. But that's what we do here. We don't have the answers. We dive. We we stick our toes in on some really complicated shit that we're not qualified for. And then we go, oh, are there sandwiches inside? And we take our toes out of the water and we go in the house. That is our form of podcasting. And it is what it is. If you want to get expert opinions on things, you should watch the news. Find your own news sources and find your own answers. Yeah, we we don't have them for you. Yeah, as I just stated, I talked. We just talked about drugs and and crime and all types of shit. None of the conversations came to an end because we don't know shit. Yep. And I don't watch the news. So yeah, there you go for for reasons. Yep. Well, you just you just really don't like um local news stories about like you know animals and things. I, no, I have my reasons why I don't watch the news. Do you want to? <laughs> you want to go into them? I just think. <laughs> I think watch news. Oh boy, let me strap in. Hold on. Oh, oh, geez. (laughs) Go ahead. News is all lies. Oh. It's all bias. News is very biased. This is very true. You're not saying anything that's not true. Yeah. A lot of propaganda on the news. That's that's what the news is. Yeah. That the news is propaganda. Yes. And last but not least, it's TV, so it's entertainment. Yes. I don't watch the news. Yeah. You know what you should do? If you if you just like if you just like um, hearing certain people talk, that's cool. But you should read an article yeah. about the thing that you're interested in. Here, you know, Don Lemon, Tucker Carlson, whoever you like, go listen to them do their thing because that's what it is—a thing. Yeah. 
rabble, 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 rabble. And I don't agree with that. And this, that, and the third. And you shouldn't do that. And you're a bad person. And you're a live. And you're triggered. And this, that, and the third. <laughs> and you do that? <laughs> I think not. Listen to all of that. Cool. Have a good time. You drink your wine. Laugh. All that. Pull up an article. Yeah. Pull up an article and just get the words in your brain. No, 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 no leaning biases. Nothing. Just pull the words up and absorb them. Yep. That's what I recommend. And that's why I, that's how I feel that the country should be. And I think that is the only path to reconciliation to, because this whole idea, the last four years, it's been like, um, yeah, we're going to get all the liberals out of here. Yeah. And you know, then on the other side, it's like, we're going to get all these racist conservatives out of here. This country, neither of those sides are going anywhere. So you, you either got to meet in the middle somewhere or it's a standstill. Yeah. That's just the facts. Anybody who doesn't like what I'm saying, I don't know what to tell you. That's just the truth. The Senate is divided. The House only has so much power. If people can't come together and come to some kind of... Now, I understand there's no compromise on human rights. I understand there's no compromise on you being a human being. I would never tell anybody to compromise. Well, you're trans, but like they don't like trans people. But like, get over it, man. Like We got to... We got to get this stimulus check passed. I would never tell anybody to compromise who they are as a person for compromise. But there's some stuff that needs to be met in the middle for us to progress as a country. And the best way for that to happen is conversation, dialogue, and 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 just speaking to each other. You yeah. can't just pretend like half the country doesn't exist. It it just it just can't work that way. Yeah. It just can't. So like I said earlier in the podcast, whatever energy you're feeling today, if you're feeling super excited about how the election went, if you're feeling super shitty about how the election went, manifest that energy and be the change you want to see in the country. That's all you can do. Anything else is out of your control. You can share all the memes you want. You can share all the videos you want. You can this, that, and the third. But all you can do is control what you can control. That is all you can do. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by Bright Sellers. Bright Sellers is the wine subscription service that helps you find the wines you love without the normal intimidation and wine pretentiousness you're used to. Whether you are a new wine drinker or someone who's been drinking wine for years, Bright Sellers will pair you with unique wines based on your taste profile. They use a seven-question quiz to match you with personalized wines and curate an exclusive experience. Each box comes with wine education cards that provide material on tasting notes, food pairings, serving temperatures, and much more. Plus, Bright Sellers personalizes your wine box around your schedule by sending you wine when you're ready. I'm not a big wine drinker. I'm more of an occasional wine drinker, but over Bright Sellers, you get on there, you take a quick seven seven question quiz. Uh The first question was like, what is your favorite candy? Yeah. Which was Reese's. Uh Uh-huh. Had me hooked. When I took the test, I knew that was going to be the one. You had me hooked, but I do like it because um, you you can customize your your subscription box. So yeah. it's like maybe me just getting into it and wanting to learn more about wine and the yeah. taste and all that. You can I do like I try to do like one a month for sure. me and Steph. Want to hoard boxes? Yeah, I don't want a whole bunch of wine. Um, but they got these these cool cards where it tells you where it's from. Yep. What pair with it the mm-hmm. taste is in it the name i like the cool names i'm just trying to learn about wine so when yeah. i speak to these higher up people uh-huh. yeah, i can right. say the names yes. or i can when they say it i know what they're talking about well, you had a hazel air yes yes yeah. before before bright sellers 2019 before bright sellers they they'll say a wine name loss don't yeah. know what's talking about don't know nothing about the taste now you know ones that people might even know about yet but, but bright sellers 
It's super dope. I love it now. I'm really getting into wine. I think anybody should, re- I recommend it to anybody. Yeah, for sure. I would say that for me personally, wine always seemed like, oh, that's for rich people. Yeah. But what Bright Sellers has done is they've they've simplified that and made it accessible to the average person who just wants to develop their palate, learn about different complexities, different varieties, and really get an education on wine. And it doesn't feel so exclusionary and elitist. Yeah. They made it feel like that anybody can drink wine and develop their palate and learn about wines. And, you know, that's really big because, you know, when you hear the word wine, you think about you know, fancy this and gowns yep, and all this exactly. kind of stuff. And it's like, no, you can just, it's a pandemic right now. You can just drink wine in your house. You can learn about wine and you can just be in your pajamas drinking wine. It's not this fancy thing that needs to be, you know, taken so seriously. They've really made drinking wine fun. See, I'm usually a, a white wine guy. For sure. But with Bright Sellers, they make you step out of your comfort zone. Yes. And we are, I am now trying um, a pen- Pinot Noir. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, Pinot Noir. The name yeah. is actually Hazel Air. Uh-huh. It's the name that's on the card. It has the black cherry, raspberry, vanilla, and earth. Uh-huh. I like the cards that come with all the information on them. They really help that if you're having guests over, you know, if, if um, you're having a wine that is goes well with chicken or goes well with meat or goes well with uh, charcuterie with cheeses and, and different types of fruit, it kind of lays it out. It, it really is like wine for dummies. You know, these cards really break it down for you to have your best possible wine experience. Yeah. And right now for Affirmative Murder listeners, we are giving you a 50% off your first six bottle order from Bright Sellers. By going to brightsellers.com and using code AMP50, that's brightsellers.com, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com slash AMP50. You can take their seven question quiz, which asks you all kinds of questions about your favorite food, your favorite uh, juice, where you would like to drink your wine, and they really cultivate a profile that fits you best, and they'll pick select six wines that really they think you would enjoy based on your flavor profile, and you'll receive 50% off your first order of six bottles. Now, you have to be 21 and over, obviously, to do this, and also, um, they are not currently shipping to Alaska, Hawaii, parts of Kentucky, Mississippi, Delaware, or Utah due to the liquor regulations there. But again, if you go to uh, brightsellers.com slash AMP50, you will get 50% off your first six bottle order. Bright Sellers, discover wine you love. Welcome back. It's my turn to go first. My firm of murder this week is about Micah Xavier Johnson. Micah Xavier yes, Johnson. Yes, I thought uh, this story has come up a couple of weeks. I think it's like two episodes ago about the one story I did. I can't remember his name. Then I came up last week because I said I was going to, it wasn't the ready yet. The guy from yet. Fresno. Yeah, it wasn't ready yet. Yeah. This is from Dallas. No, but I'm saying oh, the, the story, story. Was yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, somebody so, messaged me and said it is Van Ness. That was the street you referred to, okay. not Van Nuys. So my is that bad. what I said? You said Van Ness, okay. and I corrected you. Oh, okay. Unwarrantedly, yeah. and I was wrong. My bad. And yeah. sorry to that person from Fresno. There is a Van Nuys in Los Angeles, California, and I thought that's maybe it ran to Fresno. I don't know. Yeah, I was wrong. It was Van Ness. Okay, my B. Yeah, apology accepted. There you go. Um, so this is 2016 shooting in Dallas. So Micah Xavier Johnson was born in McGee, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and raised in Mesquite, Texas. Mm-hmm. He once described his childhood as stressful during a VA visit on August 15th, 2014. Got that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, all right. But further details were redacted um, on on the visit report when mm-hmm. he was when he was four um, and his when he was four and his parents divorced. So Johnson transferred to John Horn High School. When he was 17 and participated in the junior reserve reserve officers training, which is ROTC. Oh man. Um, ROTC never, program. Never met a kid in that program that just wasn't a, a kiss ass man. Really? 
Yeah, you know, it was some kids that were just bad and had to be in ROTC. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of them were like, loved it. And also kind of, they had the air of like, we have authority in the school that you don't. It, it felt, yeah. but it felt it's like. like, you're not in the army. Yeah. <laughs> you just take a class where they make you wear army pants. Yeah. You don't get to tell me when I can be in the hallway. Got the not. hat on, the boots and yeah. shit. You don't get to tell me stuff like that, Cullen. <laughs> Go in your classroom and do your push-ups. Yeah. You're not there yet. Yeah. You don't have a badge. That's what they think they are, man. They yeah. think the RTC, they think we, we run this. Yeah. Got our boots on. Yeah, you got know. Got fatigues on. You got to wear the same. This is, not a, this is not a Catholic school. You got to wear the same clothes to school every day. Yeah. And it's not flattering. Yeah. We're 15. You got to wear army green and your bird chest is all poking out. <laughs> you don't even have an army body yet. You know when army clothes look good? When you're built for the army. Yeah. When you're 15 and you have a fucking shaved head and your arms are all pipe-like. They ain't looking good. Then when you come to school next day, we're closing. You like a fool. Exactly. <laughs> just ruins your whole aesthetic. Yep. And you don't get to tell me where I can walk around in the hallways. Yeah. You all right, man? No, I'm still triggered by that. You even mentioned ROTC has sent me into a spiral. So, just keep reading your story. Okay. You, you got it all out. Tell me where I can go. Where's my hall pass? You're my age. <laughs> Who are you? They used to ask you that. Yeah. The audacity. Hmm. Okay. I don't. I don't have no history with people from RJ. I I didn't talk to anybody that was in it. It was just no. They talked to me. Oh, they talked to okay with authority. Okay. All right, telling me I'm in here to go to the bathroom. Oh man, you better wrap it up in there. Who are you to tell me anything? <sighs> the nerve. Are you okay, I'm sorry, man? I'm sorry. Got... I'm sorry. Man. Okay. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so he struggled academically, um, graduating in 2009 with a 1.98 grade point average. So this GPA. dude's only a year older than us. Yep. And a ranking of 430 out of 453 students in his class. Well, that's the bottom tier of the percentage. Yeah. yeah in spring 2011, he enrolled in four classes at Richland College, but never completed any of them. Investigators believe that John had access to El Centro College. Um, so... Ignore that part, because that's part of my story. <laughs> Ignore that part. But he did go to El Centro College. Okay. And that that, that part, part? The college thing? Ignore it? Yeah, the college okay, part. Okay, It'll come up okay, later. Cool, but okay. that the name of that college, he did go there. Okay, cool. So immediately after high school, Johnson enlisted in the U.S. Army Reserves mm -hmm. and served from March 2009 to April 2015 as a 12W carpentry and masonry specialist. So when you go to the reserves, do you you pick a trade? Is that is that is that how it works? That's like a good you, question. I don't really know. You pick a trade and then they they train you for if they need you. It's like a it's like a college, essentially. But you you have to fight in a war if they need yeah, you. Yeah, if we need you, like you can get some education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if some shit jumps off, we, we're gonna call you yeah, first. That's for what backups. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess it's like a way to get free schooling. Yeah. And not have to go all the way in the military. Yeah. Which is an interesting pathway. I, you know, I, I don't I don't fault anybody for feeling like, you know, if the military is the way they want to go. But I, I want to I don't really know the benefit of the Army Reserves. It's a good question. You're posing. Like, is it do you get the education without the immediate action? Yeah. You just got to be ready to get called sometime with that. I'd like to know And if anybody's in the Army Reserves listening. Just let me know. Yeah, I don't I'd rather just go full force than be on standby for the for war. You like, no, not no, I'm me. Saying, I, oh. well, I'd rather do neither. <laughs> but I'm saying I don't but if I had a choice, it would be. I will be. I would want to be in the reserve. Yeah, but no, I don't like. You know, you sleep in the night, and then you never know when that phone call is gonna come. You might be crushing it in your class. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm about to become, you know, uh, an electrician or we something. And then it's like, hey, boop, doop, doop. Uh, need Pat, suit up. Yeah, I'd rather just, you know, go right for it, because then I know it's no. 
it's not gonna catch me off guard. Yeah, I guess. To be clear, I'd rather do neither of those. There's yeah, people yeah, way more yeah, suited sure. to, to fight wars than I am. But I don't like the uh, the anticipation and, and the, the anxiety yeah. that will come with. But I'd rather have that than to know I'm I'm oh, definitely going, I'm definitely going. Yeah, you're going for sure. <laughs> Touche. Uh, so he completed basic training, which required qualifications on handling an M16 rifle mm-hmm. and an M4 carbine. Um, I'm not. The, it's called a carbine. It's what it's called. Oh, okay. According to Justin Garner, a high school friend and classmate who later served alongside Johnson in the same unit, mm. Johnson lacked proficient, proficiency in certain required technical skills, such as marksmanship. So, and he already remembered how shitty he was from high school. Yeah. He probably was surprised to see him. He's like, I don't want to go to war with this dude. Yeah. He was in the bottom percentile of the ROTC program at yeah. our high school. Yeah. And you're a terrible shooter. Yeah. So. So Johnson was activated at the rank of Private First Class in September 2013 in support of the war in Afghanistan. Mm. So that's what you was talking about. They did need him. Yeah. Hey, Act- go. you got to activate. He had to go. Uh, so where he was deployed from November 2013 to July 2014 with the 420th Engineer um, Brigade. So um, when we just that conversation we just had, and being called up. Saying, hey, we need you for war, mm-hmm. right? And to be gone for a year, well, less than less than a year. Okay, that's that's wild. <laughs> Get yeah. the phone call, like shit. Got to pack up. Yeah, you're Put gone. Big ass plane and fucking, for a year. And don't know if you're coming back. That's that's tough. That's tough. I respect anybody that signs up and goes and does that shit, man. Yeah, yeah. you got to really get on that plane knowing I might not come back home. Yeah. So it's always salute to those people and and and, and serving in those because I would never. Yeah, they'd have to do the draft for me to even. I'd still go AWOL probably. Oh, whatever sure. thing you can bone spurs, whatever, whatever Muhammad kind of Ali ball, did. I'm, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Put me in jail. I, I, I'm cool. I, you get three, you get three meals a day. You get a cot to sleep on. I'll do the jail time. Yeah, it ain't happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so people who knew Johnson during his time in the army describe him as openly religious and often um, socializing with white soldiers. A uh, squad leader who trained Johnson in tactical maneuvers and protection in. Um, 2009, 2010, described him as klutzy, uh, goofy sometimes, and a nice guy, but also quiet and unmotivated. Damn. Yeah. Documents released by the Army on July 29th detailed early signs of disturbing behavior being exhibited by him, but specific details were, um, um, Specific details were they just they just took him away. They're like, hey, this we don't have any proof, no evidence of this. Yeah, but he so, we got an odd feeling. Yeah, we got we got yeah, feeling, yeah. but sometimes that's all you need, man. We have any evidence, so we're gonna have to take this away. This, yeah. this is not true. They also said that while Johnson was sociable, he was generally described as generally generally described by soldiers as a loner who sometimes ate his lunch in um in a vehicle alone while the rest of his unit ate outside together. Oh, is that weird? That's nothing wrong with that. That's what I'm that's saying. That's something like, I would do. If I go to Panera Bread. I get my meal and then I go eat it in my car. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be sitting around all these people. I can listen to music in my car and charge my phone. Especially if I don't feel like talking. Yeah, oh, that is the. That, I didn't want to yeah. say that because of what I said earlier in the in the thing about depression. But but it's facts. It's true. I don't want to talk to you. I don't at, feel like talking to anybody this, at this Panera. Bread. I'm gonna be alone. Yeah. Talk. I have my thoughts. I have yeah. my thoughts on my phone. Oh, I, I have great conversations with myself. In what? Car. Like that game last night? Then he's gonna do pass it to him. That episode of this, the twist, man, that was crazy. <laughs> that five dollars, I make it in this trash can. Yep. When yeah, I go yeah, home, I make dude, plans and shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so on March first, uh, twenty fourteen, during his deployment, he was accused of sexual harassment by a female soldier. That's not okay at all. Who sought a um, protective order against him and said that he needed mental health 
counseling. The acquisitions, mm, acquisitions was made after the soldier reported four pairs of women's underwear missing from her laundry bag. A health and welfare inspection of soldiers' room found one pair of Johnson's found one pair in Johnson's quarters. While a soldier dis- discovered the remaining three in Johnson's pocket, upon being upon upon being confronted about it, Johnson Johnson fled with the um, undergarments and attempted to dispose them in a nearby dumpster. He later lied and said that the female um, gave it to him. Yeah, man. I don't know what the story is, but I don't know if that's a situation where it's, you know, more men than women at these uh, bases and deployments. But if you can't protect women's female soldiers in these situations, we really need to reevaluate the military and what's going on. There's too many stories of this. And this is just... This is a relatively not, not to you know minimize what he did, but like this is relatively harmless of a thing. We've heard stories of women being murdered and raped and killed, you know, in these situations where people, their soldiers alongside with, turn on them and yeah. do crazy shit. So that shit is running too rampant, man. I don't I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know if that's a dynamic of testosterone and you know pressure and you know what i don't know what i don't know what that is. that's crazy you keep hearing stories about the fort yeah. hood and fort bragg and all these kind of things and people women getting killed uh you know in mysterious ways over in deployment and yeah it's just that's because it's probably it's just more it's more men than women i, I would assume yeah and but it's also it's- happening to men though too oh shit yeah it's, okay. it's crazy it's just like I, I don't know if it's the frustration yeah, it's just- or i don't know it's cr- i don't know I being away from home, I don't know. Well, it's I, a lot, and also I, war is stressful, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, for sure. People That's come back war. with PTSD and then it's like, <laughs> hey man, go work at the T Mobile store. Yeah. So come on, man. You didn't train you didn't spend millions of dollars to train this person to like be comfortable killing somebody. But I'm talking about while they're away though. They're away yeah, from oh, all this no, time. All that, yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I was yeah, I was speaking more to like then on top of all that, even people who might not do do these things and snap the way that this is happening, yeah, yeah. they gotta come back and just, you know, Go be a lumberjack. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I've seen, you've seen shit. It's some, some shit you can't come back from. Yeah. But what I do applaud is, obviously I'm doing this story because this dude is nuts and he did something crazy. Sure. But uh, the the leaders or whatever heard that girl out uh-huh. and was like, oh, we need to take action yeah. to see what the fuck is going on here. Okay, cool. Yeah, and, I didn't want to yeah, yeah. And they did that. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, that. okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, so he, he was confronted by some people. Um, he ran away. Then said he, that then he said that she gave him to me, and they said they gave she she gave him to me. Um, but the they said that the, the female soldier confirmed that they were they were in fact hers yeah. that he had and, and stole. No, it. I didn't give it. To yeah. Him. Uh, so the female soldier told investigators that she and Johnson, um, had been uh, platonic friends for year for five years. He took advantage of that shit. But he had stopped talking to. They had stopped talking to each other. Mm-hmm. She described their relationship as being um, tumultuous and involving fights and disagreements. So that mean their relationship wasn't. It wasn't friends. It wasn't friends. Listen, <laughs> la- ladies, and it's mostly a lot of ladies that listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you got to know how to read the signs, man. There, I absolutely have women in my life who are my friend, right? Like they're in a relationship. I'm in a relationship. We go get lunch, buddies, friends, right? Me and Sierra were also friends. Yeah, right. So you gotta you gotta know that you know some of these dudes are plotting. And waiting for you to have a relationship, waiting to make their move. Yeah. So you got to know what's genuine and what's not. And some of these dudes are good. Because, you know, the minute they go to make their move, 
they make they do mis- mental gymnastics with you when you go no we're just friends oh my god wow so you just been playing me this whole time i'm helping you move and you know fucking buying you birthday presents like i thought we were you're really like i thought we were friends yeah and he's like no what the fuck kind of, you know sometimes it come out of them when you when you reject them you know so just be aware of that shit because this sounds like this dude was hey buddy get a hug i hate that shit i'll be at work i hate Where's my hug ass dudes, man? I, it makes my skin crawl. I used to hate it in school. It makes my skin crawl for a girl to just be living her life. You and the dude's like, hell, oh my bro. God, where my, where's my hug? And they got to give you some one. And it's like you, that hug clearly like you get off on it in some kind of way because it's necessary for you or you think you're making a, you're inching closer to getting their number or getting them where you want them to be or whatever. I hate a where's my hug ass dude, man. <laughs> if a girl wants to hug you, they will just hug you, bro. You don't have, who asks for hugs? Something your nana does. <laughs> you alright, man? No, it's just a lot of stuff in your story that's pissing me off. I just hate suckers, man. I hate dudes that just are out here corny and weird and yeah. it just really it really makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Uh so she specifically uh recalled one accident where Johnson punched out a car window over her leaving for college and he severed an artery. That's crazy. Then forced her to bring him to the hospital for treatment. However, Johnson claimed that he punched out the window. When the soldier, when the soldier missed a movie they planned to see together, that's worse. And added that he had been under stress from his job, um, and the difficulties or whatever stress he's having from his life at this, home. This dude has some, this dude has issues clearly. Yeah, that's that's an insane for that to be your no. It wasn't because she was going to college. We were supposed to go see a walk to remember, and then I was mad because we missed the six thirty showing, and so I punched the window. I wouldn't get mad about somebody going off to college. I just, you know, that's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. This is what it actually was. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Um, cause he tried to make it sound like we we have some type of relationship and we were supposed to go out yeah. and this, but it was like, no, that's not what happened. Yeah. I don't want to talk to you and I'm leaving. Yeah. So you got And you took it back. Right. Uh so according to this the uh the soldier, Johnson asked her for a pair of her underwear before the May first oh, incident. He's that cold. But she declined, yeah. Asks for him. Yep. Oh, uh, also, nasty. during a Facebook conversation with her, Johnson mentioned tying her down and having her face down on the bed, but then claimed the statement was a joke. Though she told him that was rape. Oh, though she told him that rape was never a joke and stopped contacting her. Um, the soldier did not report him. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, I kind of missed that. You're saying he pinned her down on the bed? No, and- no, 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 no. This is the con. This is the through a conversation they had on Facebook. Oh, okay. He okay. said it to her in a message. Like, I will pin you down. Yeah. And, and she was like, she was saying that you know this that's, rape. that's not funny. This is rape yeah, is not okay. a joke. Okay. Um. So she told him stop contacting me, and the soldier did not report him for the harassment at the time because she was used, um, she was used to that to that kind of rhetoric, and um, she was frequently because she was frequently around men at home at work. That's because she's in but the military. Yeah, so at, that's she's, crazy. That yeah, she's like, oh, I'm used to that dude. I'm, I'm like, around, I'm around down. guys all the time, so I'm used to stuff like that. Dude, man, there's a lot of scumbag dudes out here. Listen, that's also gross. another PSA to ladies out here. Listen, if I had to give advice, it's crazy times right now. It's some nasty ass dudes out here, and I know a lot of women are finding their lane in their own digital sex work world, and I fuck with it. I'm super sex positive, right? Here's what you do: get you a PO box, buy you a bunch of cheap ass underwear from the store. Don't do anything to them. And these fucking weird ass dudes will buy underwear oh, yeah. from you. You can just throw them in the trash for a day and let them get some kind of just some odor to them. <laughs> Put them in a bag and mail them to them. They'll give you hundreds of dollars People for gross, them. Man. People dudes pic- are gross. Pictures of feet. It's some yeah. gross. But use them. <laughs> Who fuck? Use them. Use them. Take their money. They're fools. They're ridiculous people. Use them. You know. 
pictures of your feet. People pay. It's crazy, man. If I was in times of that and it was like uh, women would buy my boxers, oh, I would just buy hella boxers. <laughs> oh, here. Oh, yeah, man. I'll play basketball on these. I'm Ugh. slinging these out like hotcakes, bro. It, I'm, if there was a market for it, I got to deliver, deliver the message to the people, man. I got to. It's yes, some yes. weird ass people on the Internet. Yeah, I know. They will pay top dollar for women's underwear like the creeps that they are. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I, no, I am kind of shaming. That's weird. I, I try not to kink shame, but yeah. asking women like this dude did, asking a woman for their underwear is mad creepy. That's a level of creep that just is unmatched by many things. But if a dude is, if there's dudes out there, there's a market for it, go buy you some fucking dollar store underwear, throw them in a Ziploc bag and get that coin, bro. Get the bag. It's crazy times. You got to be ingenuitive. You got to make shit happen. It's, you know, you got to, you got to learn to adapt. That's my, you know, the more, gross, the more man. you, the more you know. It's gross. Um, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm talking about the people. that is that is a market for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hey man. But it is, there is a market for it though. Yeah, get that money. <laughs> uh, though, um, the May first incident did not meet the army's criteria for sexual harassment. Investigators found that Johnson's, um, sexual, sexually, uh, s- suggestive comments to female soldier met met said criteria. That's so such a light way to 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 say. To a person who, I have to assume she thinks that they're friends. So for me to take who? one of my, uh, this young lady, her and Johnson, I'm saying she at least thought like he's in the friend category. Oh, okay. Like I, I'm, I'm not giving him any time of day in that way. Yeah, and until for you to, she start getting weird. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you, for you to, in your mind, go, well, here's how I get out of the friend zone. I'm gonna come over there and pin you down. And it's like, whoa, excuse, yeah. you know, it, that's crazy, man. And then for her to go. And I'm I'm sure so many women have that same story of like, well, I'm just used to it. That's just that's how guys talk to me. That's crazy, bro. Yeah. Ah, that's just that's just that's just a bummer. <laughs> so following the inspection, he was disarmed under the recommendation of his platoon surgeon, um, sergeant. I'm sorry, sergeant, who felt he posed a potential threat. Um, another army official later described the action as unusual, as Johnson did not appear to be visibly agitated or a threat to himself or others at the time. Mm. Johnson was then placed on placed under 24-hour um, escort, which was reportedly shameful and ostracizing, which was a reportedly a shameful and ostracizing experience. Yeah. Before being temporarily temporarily moved to um, the, the, the Bagram Airfield on May 3rd, uh-huh. but he did not have enough time to pack all of his belongings. While soldiers were emptying Johnson's quarters and um, packing his belongings for him to leave on May 14th, they discovered an, unauth- an unauthorized single- M43 high explosive dual purpose um 40 uh, millimeter grenade in a 50 caliber round. Oh. And another soldier's prescription medication in his sleeping bag. Oh, wow. That's a crazy mix of things to find. Yeah. Just so, a loose grenade. I mean, I guess he didn't I guess he didn't care or I mean, cuz if it was me, I, that stuff would be coming first. You pack that shit first, but I guess he he was like, "Oh, I got to get you I guess I get my clothes." Yeah, I don't know. So, but that stuff he didn't pack, he left behind and then when they went to go clean his shit out, they found all that shit in there. Jeez. So later, the army sent Johnson back to the U.S. According to the military uh, lawyer who represented Johnson at the time, the army initiated proceedings to give Johnson an other than honorable just discharge. The lawyer claimed so not dishonorable. Yeah, the lawyer claimed this was highly unusual because written um, reprimands are usually issued before before more drastic steps are taken. Yeah. And usually, and also because the decision was allegedly based on single sexual harassment allegations, 
The lawyer was evidently unaware of the grenade and other contraband discovered yeah. in Johnson's possession shortly before he was um, sent back to the United States from Afghanistan, as well as other factors in Johnson's possible um, record. Yeah. It sounds like they, they saw enough that this dude was an oddball. Oh, yeah. That they couldn't, they, they didn't have the physical, like, go through all the steps to get the proof to give him a dishonorable discharge, but they yeah. were like, we don't feel comfortable with you having a gun, and you got to get the fuck up out of here. Yep. Because an other than honorable discharge is like a, that's like a halfway, uh, that's like a cop out of going, you're weird, man. And yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You got to go. But let's look what happens here. Um, on the advice of his attorney, Johnson waived his right to, to a hearing in exchange for a more favor, favorable general discharge under honorable conditions. Mm. He was honor, honorably discharged in September 2014, apparently as a result of of an army error. Johnson remained in the individual ready reserves, meaning he could be recalled into the army if needed. And it was part of the um, IRR was the individual ready reserves at any time. At, at, off. at the same time of when he, when he passed away, he was still in the IRR. Wow. Okay. So that really makes them look bad. Yeah. And he them. was honorably discharged uh, because he, he finagled his because, way. Yep. Yeah. Um, and because of some fucking error. Yeah. Uh, so Johnson re- received the Afghanistan Campaign Medal with campaign with campaign star, Army Achievement Medal, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, Armed Forces Reserve Medal, and um, an NATO Medal for his tour of duty in Afghanistan. Some of Johnson's fellow soldiers criticized the Army's handling of the case. Yeah, because it sounds like he was a very mediocre soldier, <laughs> and to get honor to get honorably discharged with hella medals really probably give you a, a, a false sense of bravado. You yeah. Know, where you walk around. No, I'm a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I, I did my thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tough guy. Basically. So a black lives matter protest was organized by, I mean, organized in Dallas by the next generation action network in response to killing of two, two men, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile mm-hmm. by police officers in Louisiana and Minnesota. Rest Respe- to both yep, respectively days before. The Dallas protest was one of this was one of several held across the United States on the night of July 7th. Around 800 protesters, protesters were um, involved and around 100 police officers were assigned to monitor the event. About 20 to 30 open carry gun, open carry gun right activists joined the protest march and some wearing gas masks, bulletproof vests and fatigues. Most of the event happened in the streets and buildings around El Central College, which forms a city block composed of multiple buildings. The block is bordered by Main Street on the south where the protests where the protests protesters march was taking place. Lamar Street to the east from where Johnson initiated the shooting spree, which I'm about to get to, mm-hmm. and Elm Street to the north where Johnson eventually entered the college, which I spoke of earlier today. Yes. Or earlier in my story. Around eight fifty eight PM, Johnson parked his SUV sideways on Lamar Street in front of east entrance of the college at building A. A um and left the vehicle left the vehicle running with his hands and legs blinking. At the time, the street had been cleared out for the, for, out for the anticipation of the protest. Okay. Taking cover at street level, he began shooting at groups of police mm. and protesters who gathered on Main Street. Mm. Johnson was believed to have talked to three of the officers he shot before he opened fire. Mm. I guess try and get some, some type of uh, info on him, like, 
So we are going to be. Yeah, what's your route? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, he did some crazy shit like that. Yeah. Just brought up his credentials of him what, being in the army kinda, and shit. You know, he oh, he probably had some dark shit like those bulletproof vests. They stop like you know uh, car, carbon. I don't know. I don't know terms, but like, what kind of rounds do those? What's the like round that can penetrate? That is that? crazy. But <laughs> but if you approach somebody in the in the I don't I, I feel like a, a average police officer would probably well I don't know they really caught him off. I would think you would go. That's a weird fucking question to ask. Yeah, so but they also answer you like well. I, yeah, just I, weirdly just, answer it. Yeah, like. Like, it catch you, like, you'll think about, like, why is he asking me that? Yeah. But I'll get just up, like, Let me get him out of my face. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. So three officers were killed in the initial gunfire, while at least three, three others and a civilian was injured. Eleven officers fired back during the shootings. Um, officers unaware where the shootings were coming from scrambled to block um, intersec- intersections and were exposed to gunfire as a result. Mm. Now, in the, in the end of my story, it was a part where... They thought it was like snipers because they didn't. It was coming from everywhere. They was it was coming from everywhere. Yeah. So they didn't know what the fuck was going on. Right. So immediately afterwards, Johnson made his way north on Lamar Street, um, encountering Officer Brent Thomas along the way. A civilian recorded video of the encounter. I've seen this video. It's on YouTube mm-hmm. from his uh, hotel balcony on Lamar Street. The video showed Johnson and his tactical clothing. Yeah. Um, and armed with a rifle. Loading his rifle and firing randomly to draw officers near his position. Mm. When Thomas approached a corner, Johnson engaged him in a gunfight, forcing Thomas to take cover behind a concrete pillar. And this shit was crazy. Yeah. Johnson fired towards one side of the pillar and then ran the other way of the pillar to flank Thompson to Thomas and shot him multiple times from behind, killing him. So... It was a video. It's a video. Yeah, it was just I'm a shoot. He shot to the left. Uh Dude, look, came around the other way. It was basically point blank range when when he shot him. Wow. Um. So he picked up. He some of that training stuck. Oh yes. Yeah. No matter what, he was bad. Not top of his class. It wasn't even that. It'll come up in my story. You know where he got that. Where he got that from? That maneuver. He got that from. Johnson now injured during the gun during uh the fire the firefight attempted to enter Lamar Street entrance of the college by shooting out the glass door but was unable to make his way in Mm. he wounded two campus police officers who were near the doorway inside the building one was shot in the stomach underneath his bulletproof vest Mm. while the other was hit by flying glass in the leg johnson then made his way um, to elm street where he shot out another glass door to enter the college unseen he then made his way to building b Hearing the shattering glass, one of the injured campus officers, Corporal Brian Shaw, made his way through the building and discovered a trail of blood leading to a stairway. Accompanied by another police officer, Shaw Shaw entered the stairwell and was met with a hail of gunfire coming from above. Unable to see Johnson, he held his fire and retreated with the um with the other officer. Other officer. Now, like I said earlier, was why was why I wanted to wait. He went. To, he he went to this college. So he knows the layout. He knows the layout. So that's why he was just running up on people. Yeah. And knowing they, people they were don't coming. really know where to where to go, but he knows exactly where he's trying. It's to like go. it's like they it's like they both playing this game. Well, we both know the building, but if I'm already set up before you get there, I have an advantage. Yeah. So afterwards, Johnson made his way along a uh, the mezzanine between the school's second floor dining area and the third floor library but came onto a dead end um, of windows facing down on Elm Street. He shot out multiple windows and fired repeatedly at officers on Elm Street. He hit Michael Smith, a police officer standing in front of the 7-Eleven, mm. killing him and shattering the storefront glass. 
Officers began entering the college, sealing escape routes uh, from the building and evacuating students and teachers in the building, including those on the floor above Johnson through a different stairwell. Approaching Johnson on the second floor near the library, the officers found him secured behind a corner, firing occasionally. So he was just, somebody's coming, I'm shooting, and just ducking back in and and out. He was in an area filled with um, offices and the school's computer servers with only two doors leading to where he was positioned. A hallway about 30 feet um, long separating him from the SWAT members. At least 200 gunshots were believed to have been fired by Johnson and SWAT officers um, in the area during the standoff. Mm. So officers opened up negotiations for surrender, but Johnson said he would speak to only a black police officer. Johnson stated that he had acted alone and was not part of any group. Mm -hmm. According to Chief Brown, Johnson appeared delusional during his standoff. We had negotiated with him for about two hours, and he basically lied to us playing games, laughing at us, and singing, um, asking how many did he get and that he wanted to kill some more. Yeah, this is a person in the middle of a psychotic break. Yeah. Uh, So by about 2.30 a.m., Chief Brown was, Chief Brown saw no possibility of negotiating further and made the decision to use the bomb disposal (laughs) remote control vehicle, the the remote tech Andros Mark VA, armed with one pound of C4 explosive. The plan was to move the robot to a point against a wall facing Johnson and then detonate the explosive. Shout out to this dude because this dude was like, man, he had to get creative. Yeah. And was like, I'm not risking any more of my men. <laughs> nah. Send in R2D2. That's they, crazy. They blew that man up like a villain in a sci fi movie. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even know, like I said last week, because this, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is off of the thing you did last week. And I was like, when you brought up that story, I said, I've never heard, I didn't even know they had that option. That's a bomb yeah. robot. That's what I'm saying. He, 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 th- he was like, I gotta think out of the box on yeah. this one. Uh, so the device exploded as intended, killing Johnson immediately. Of course. The robot, while sustaining damage to his extended arm, was still functional. The killing of Johnson was the first time in United States history a robot was used by police yeah, to kill a suspect. That's crazy. <laughs> but now there's a precedent, so I, you know it, uh, might, it might not be the last time. Yeah. Uh, so it was later discovered that Johnson, like, scribbled the letters R B in his own blood while um, in the college. Mm. Apparently, after being wounded while making his way up the stairwell, the meaning of the R B, the meaning of R B and other markings made by Johnson was unclear, and investigators subsequently attempted to um, try to figure out what the meaning was, but they just. Nobody knows. I remember this night. First of all, I think that this this night was the inception of Blue Lives Matter. I think mm. that like this way, because Black Lives Matter was happening, this thing happens. They had all uh, out of the gate. They they uh, pinned him to being like an African, uh, you know, um, a, a pan African extremist yeah, or something they, crazy they, like I got that. that in my story too. Yeah. Um, and there was a dude on the news who they they were like, it's him, and he had to go on TV with all this shit going on in the streets that night and go. I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm not that. That's not me. Oh shit! Yeah, they they like <laughs> they identified the wrong guy as the dude that's killing police officers. Wow! All this shit is chaos in the streets, and they caught him on the news, and he just had to tell a news station like that's not. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. So he had to like go down and find a news station or whatever, or something before that's, they fucking shot him. I'm about to say that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh man, with all that chaos going on, oh that's that's like. The most terrifying. Your picture thing. is blasted everywhere. Like, this and man then... killed twenty police. You're like, oh shit! I no, I need to clear this up immediately. Yeah. Also, I'm terrified to go try to clear it up. Yeah. 
Because now you got to target you. You got to target yeah. your head. Oh, now. immediately. Uh, so Chief Brown said that during negotiations, Johnson declared he had placed um, explosives in downtown Dallas. A sweep of downtown Dallas found no presence of any explosives. He was just a chaos agent. Oh, yeah. This is a terrorist, man. That's crazy. So five officers were killed, nine other officers, and two civilians were injured. Most of the victims were shot during the protests, and um, at least one other during a shootout. Uh, so the Dallas Police Department officers and one Dallas area uh, rapid transit officer, they were they were um, dead. Mm-hmm. Four of the injured officers from mm-hmm. the DPD, three were from the um, Dallas area rapid transit, Damn. and two were from um, El Central College. Seven of the injured officers were treated at Parkland Memorial Hospital. Two officers underwent surgery. One civilian was shot in the back of the leg, breaking her um, tibia. Oh. So this was the deadliest, the deadliest single incident of for law enforcement officers in the United States since uh, September 11th attack, surpassing two 2009 shootings in Lakewood and Wa- Lakewood, Washington, and Oakland, California, where four officers were killed. So Chief Brown said that Johnson, who was black, was upset about recent police shootings and stated he wanted to kill white people, especially white officers. A friend and former coworker of Johnson described him as always being distressed distrustful of the police mm-hmm. another former co-worker said he seemed very affected by recent police shootings of black men a friend said that johnson had anger management problems and would repeatedly watch videos of the 1991 beating of rodney king but police by police officers and brown said that johnson had told police um, negotiators that he was upset about the black lives matter he was upset about that yeah he so was he was upset. anti-black lives matter no Oh, he just was upset that it exists, that it had to exist. Yeah, I was, I was confused. Yeah, he just upset about it. He was watching Rodney King videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's yeah. upset about the other two shootings that he I got, mentioned he earlier. Got, he got fired up. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And domestic terrorized this whole people. Yep. It really sounds a lot. Can you? How many people died in this? Let's see. Um, five officers were killed, and nine other officers and two civilians were injured. Injured. Yeah. Because it sounds so much. I don't know if you're familiar with the Charles Whitman story. So Charles Whitman was a guy like in the '60s in Texas. He had a brain tumor mm-hmm. and he knew he wasn't feeling right. And he wrote a letter like, look, man, I don't I don't have control anymore. I don't know what the hell is going on. Oh, shit. And then he grabbed a rifle, climbed up to a water tower and just started shooting people. I think he killed like 10 people. So I don't know. I guess that's the, crazy. Yeah. Why he, would he? The brain tumor pushed on something. And then but uh, he, he, had he the, just saw red, I guess. I don't know. I don't. Well, he gave like, to write a letter first before instead. But why wouldn't? Why didn't he go to? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a weird it's a weird thing. But like, I think they did an uh, an autopsy. And, oh, they did. And his, you know, he, I think they, I think they might have actually, you know, found a pretty big tumor in his brain once they did an autopsy. I could be wrong about that part, but that's what he said. He said something's not right. My brain is acting weird. I'm losing time. And then he went up on a water tower and he killed he killed like ten people. Dang. So I don't know if it's because of the sheer amount of bullets that this dude's shooting off that they're comparing it to nine eleven. For five people, I mean five people died. That's terrible. But like I don't I don't know. It's they said what did you say? It's the deadliest. It was the, incident. Um, Something crazy. Where I'm like, that's really is that what they're categorizing it as? It was this. It was the deadliest single incident for law enforcement officers in the United States. Okay. Okay. That's really yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Because it was an attack directly on them, 
not just like on civil. I was thinking like people, and I was like, no, what? That's, yeah, because he said law enforcement. But okay, got it, got it. No, I, that makes I get I get. It's like that was the craziest attack on police. Yeah, yeah. What about that dude in California though? That that dude that was like, he was a cop, and then they fought. What was his name? Oh, I can't remember his name. He was shooting police too. Yeah, I, that's what he just says. It said it was surpassing two. 2009 shootings in Lakewood, Washington, and Oakland, California, where four officers were killed. That might be the guy I'm thinking of. He was just hunting police. Yeah, I think I remember that. Because they too. fired him for some crazy yeah, yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So Chief Brown said that Johnson, who was black, was upset about recent police shootings and yeah, said yeah. that he wanted to kill white people. I ever read that mm-hmm. part. Um, so an investigation into his online activities uncovered um, his interest in, in black nationalist groups. Okay, yeah, this is yeah, um, okay. Yep, the Southern Poverty Law Center and news outlets reported that Johnson liked the Facebook page of black nationalist organizations such as the New Black Panther Party, uh, the Nation of Islam, and the Black Riders Liberation Army. On Facebook, Johnson posted an angry and disjointed post against white people on July 2nd, several days before the attack. Mm-hmm. Johnson's Facebook profile, um, his profile picture he had raising his arm in a Black Panther um, salute, along with images of Black Power symbol and a flag associated with the Pan Africanism movement. These symbols have long um, represented nonviolent Black empowerment, but also have been co-opted by extremist groups with racist views. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to make that clear. Mm-hmm. I, I am familiar with a lot of positive uh, Black nationalist and Pan African movement folks who just want Black people to eat healthy. Uh, get in touch with their roots, know themselves, and be educated. Uh, in the wrong hands, these messages can turn extreme and lead to racially charged or racist attacks on white people because yeah. it's it all it all is based in the history of this country. <clears throat> and if you frame that as a "you must get revenge" type of tone, the wrong person will take that and go out and do some crazy wild shit like this dude. And like yeah. that dude last week, I don't know if that was his, if it was racially based or if he was like angry at white people, but that's what can happen. And that happens any race that gets rate. You know what happened in Charlottesville was rhetoric. It was, that's all toxic. I don't know if there's any positive positivity in that white nationalism. I don't know if there's anything that's like, just like feed white people and you know take care of white kids i don't know if there's anything of like that in there but yeah my whole thing of the black nationalists and the pan-african movement that you're talking about yeah there is a lot of positivity in that and people trying to change laws at schools for saying you can't wear dreadlocks to schools and yeah stuff but like when that, st- well, stuff like this come out it oversees it ruins everything yeah. it ruins everything it yeah. ruins everything yes uh, so conversely people familiar with johnson during his military service believe he may have been s- severely stressed with serving in a combat zone they also say he had little interest in the topics of racial injustice and the shooting of Trayvon Martin that occurred at that time. In an interview, Johnson's parents said that he was once um, extroverted and patriotic mm-hmm. and wanted to become a police officer. Following his discharge from the army, they described him as um, disillusioned, disillusioned, okay, yep, got it. Yeah. Um, and re- and resentful of the U.S. government. He and believed that he had been disappointed by his experience in the military. Why? Because you got caught doing something you wasn't supposed to be doing? Yeah, I don't have any kind of... <laughs> I think that this is a guy who had some kind of psychotic break, whether that's was in the military, and that's why he did the crazy shit that he did. Yeah. And then in the midst of that psychotic break, he got radicalized by some videos that he saw on YouTube yeah. and followed suit with some really the darkest... The darkest... Uh, the darkest ide- ideology of that stuff that he was looking into. Yeah. And I, and I feel like... That part, I feel like now he's trying to 
now he got caught and then kicked out or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, he's trying to blame it what he's doing on his bad experience in the military. I didn't like what I did. I didn't like my experience. How they treated in the me. Or yeah. yeah. Uh, so according to a soldier, Johnson had a small breakdown after he be- he began losing his friends in the army after details of his sexual harassment accusations yeah. were released. So Chief Brown said that while Johnson had been planning the shooting before the death of Sterling and Philando Castile, both incident both in- both incidents served as a trigger to commit the shooting and that he saw that Dallas protest as an opportunity to attack police officers. Mm. According to police and a neighbor, Johnson practiced military <laughs> exercises in his backyard. That's what I want that's what I want to talk about. He like learned these moves, he practiced them in, the in his backyard. Running around trees and shit. I don't yeah. know. Fucking probably throwing knives. They doing that out there in North Dakota with them, those militias are doing the same thing. That's what they just practice in their moves. Yeah, they got like old abandoned cars. They pop the door open and talk about how to come up around the door so you got cover, but you can also shoot. Mm. So yeah, man, you can. I mean, I guess if you practice anything enough, you get good at it. That's crazy that somebody saw him in his backyard. Like, oh my god, that what's his name? Johnson. There's Johnson again. What's yeah. his first name? Oh, Micah. Micah? Yeah. yeah. There's Micah again, fucking doing barrel rolls in his backyard. Whatever. And yeah. thought it was and completely And then that shit happened, and you like, oh, that's shit. What he, yeah, that's what he was doing. He was training to kill police old, officers. Yeah, because the whole time, it looked like some old stepbrother shit. He's throwing knives at trees, doing spinning kicks and shit. You're like, well, that dude's a weirdo. And then you see him on the fucking news. Yeah. Doing like half ass. Do you think you'd, do you think you'd feel like you should have called the police? Like, I'm sure it, I'm sure Not, it would look pretty I, I don't harmless. know about that. I wouldn't like, I don't, I don't think I'd feel bad. Like, I, like I didn't, like, I, um, ignored the signs i think i just would think that's a weird dude if i i guess if i had some type of conversation with him and shit got weird like, then yeah. you see that and then you go like I, the I thing like the thing you said like the, the dude when you were delivering mail he's like i'll kill all these democrats yeah shit he's like that himself, yeah but yeah. if he was like out there rolling around and had like act like he was holding a, a fake gun in his hand then yeah. i'd probably be like oh he just fucking around he some, fucking oh and he was if i knew he was in the military I'd be like he's just in the staying military. sharp just staying sharp yeah yeah okay yeah okay. Um, that makes sense so it said Johnson received training and instruction um, at a private self-defense school that teaches tactics such as shooting on the move, which is quickly firing and then changing positions and resume shooting. I see again. Joe Rogan doing that shit on his Instagram. That shit looks kind of fun. I'd like to do that. Like they have a thing where like, like courses them. Yeah. And they go, you know, barrel on, switch, switch. No, it's like, oh. shoot, go to this. I saw it's another video of Keanu Reeves doing. It's like switch, shoot, shoot, switch to your sidearm. Boom. Oh, drop yeah, the gun. Yeah, yeah. Go to this. Move over to this. Then it's longer range shooting. And it's like timed. Yeah, that it looks, looks kind of cool. fun. I'm just so much of a pacifist and a coward that I've been to some gun ranges, but I don't get the thrill. Like when a gun bangs off in my hands, I just it really makes my heart shoot through the roof. You I don't like the sound. You know of what's guns, weird? Man. I went to the gun range twice. My first time going, I think I might have told you this, but my first time going is like, wow, you like what the fuck? It's ter- terrifying. You just you just jumping and shit. It's yeah. like, oh y'all just calm in here like this? Yeah, yeah, repetition. That's, uh, I don't know. It, it, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I could see me coming here with like group of friends here and there, here and there, but yeah, no, it's dudes that come there like this is my therapy every yeah, week. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't, shooting, you know, it's too, I'm, locked I, in. I'm jumping out. People like, they, yeah. people that go out of town, like they giggling at you because yeah. they tell you, they know you, oh man, we got, we got a fresh fish and yeah. yeah, all that's cool. So I'm like jumping, I'm like, yeah, this, this makes me super uncomfortable. One of my favorite comedians, Big J Okerson, he had a, he had a really funny observation. He goes, um, he felt he felt he went to a gun range. He felt really uncomfortable because he goes, "Man, you just around all these people. Like one of these dudes could snap and just yeah. like, shoot everybody." And then he said, "People's response was, it's a death sentence, dude. Nobody would ever do that. Like then everybody has guns. They'll shoot them and go, yeah, but, yeah, but what, I'm what already if I'm shot. The, yeah, what if I'm the guy that he shoots first? 
you know, so that's that's also something in the back of my mind. Yeah. You just got to trust people to be in a room full of people with all kind of big guns Gun and shooting. Shit, and you don't know them. I, they I can just know. turn and fucking. And then you got people in there taking videos and shit, and they coming out of the booth, and people are like, "Hey, man, you can't." Yeah, walking. You in can't front come of, out of the booth with the shit in your hand. You can't yeah. be doing that. Yeah, it's. It, I, I would. The thing I was talking about the course. I would want to like have enough money to where I can rent the course, and it's just all by myself. Yeah, me yeah. and the instructor, an instructor or like a friend or something. Yeah, yeah. not with. Yeah. I'm not with none of that. No new friends. Uh, so he said Johnson had, he either used the um, AK-47 or he used an oh, SKS, geez. which are both assault rifles. Yeah. Um, so the New York the New York Daily News did an interview with a man who sold Johnson the um, semi-automatic AK-47 um, rifle in November 2014. The man said that he sold Johnson a rifle and made the deal in a Target parking lot. When the man asked the, when the man asked, the ATF, if his weapons played a part in the shooting, the ATF agent who responded, of he course. said that all I can say is that it was recovered, and we're just finding out every we just finding out everything we we can. Yeah, so, so that's basically so, yes. yes, yes. In that's, addition, <laughs> the, the thing with those private sellers, man, like if you're a private seller, I don't know all the full rules, but that's the whole thing about um gun auctions. I, I watched the whole documentary about people who sell illegal guns. Uh-huh. They go to these gun auctions. And a private seller can just sell a, a gun yeah. to anybody at these at these uh, gun shows yeah. or just maybe in a Target parking lot. So they go load up on the guns. They go, you're not going to use this for anything bad, right? No. Okay, cool. $40. And then they load up on the guns in Atlanta or any of these kind of places where you yeah. can do stuff. Texas, I would assume, is the same way. And then they go to... So, like, guns are illegal in Chicago. Yeah. But they're not illegal in, let's say, Wisconsin mm-hmm. or Indiana or somewhere close. Yeah. So people go to there... Buy a bunch of guns legally from a private seller, go to Chicago, yeah. and then dub- sell them for double, triple because you can't get a gun in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So th- that's crazy. He's just like, oh, I sold an AK-47 in a fucking Target parking lot. Yeah. Also, I know that if you have your uh, collector's license, uh-huh. you can go state to state with firearms. That must be what I'm talking about. Yeah. Maybe. I don't, again, I, there's probably maybe somebody listening to those guns and is like, that's not what it is. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do know, I know with your collector's license, you can, you can like, you can, if you get pulled up, you can say, I'm doing a special, I'm doing the private exhibit. Yeah, I'm going to show these friend. to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Okay, cool. Um, so in addition um, to the rifle, Johnson carried at least uh, one handgun and one high-capacity magazine during the attack. CNN citing an, un- an unnamed official reported that two handguns were recovered, a Glock 19 and a G4 pistol, and the other um, was a f- and the other was a Frazier 25 caliber, which I don't know what the fuck that is. The FBI that. reported that Johnson wore a ballistic body armor with plates during the shooting. I just find it, I that. find it crazy that you can get your hands on all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Johnson's family, Johnson's family home was searched by authorities the day after the shooting. Bomb making materials and ballistic vests and two rifles and ammunition and a personal journal of combat tactics containing instruction on shooting techniques and tactical movements were recovered from his home by detectives. He was training for real. Yep. Chief Brown said that said that recovered evidence pointed to Johnson practicing detonations and having enough explosive material to cause devastating effects throughout Dallas and the North Texas area. So he could have done some he does some, de- did some damage, but he could have done some real damage. But also just think about blowing that, up though. shit. Black, white, whatever. Like in this situation, this dude was black, right? But anybody, this could be anybody, any at any point, anytime, somebody could get radicalized in some kind of way. Yeah. And and just le- on YouTube, yeah. learn how to make a bomb and it get books and bullet, shit. Arm bulletproof vest plates and load up on shit and go wreak fucking havoc, it's so easy. man. It's so easy. That's why you that 
again, when I get my my story, t- kind of touches on some of that stuff too. But that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, so Chief Brown said that the evidence pointed to uh, Johnson practicing. That so yeah, so he had enough to devastate that throughout the Dallas and North Texas. However, the latter claim was um, contra- contradicted on July 18th by two official um, officials familiar with the investigation. Said, "Hey, that's not that's not true. None of that stuff was none found? of the shit that they was found and all the explosives he had that could have fucking blew up Dallas wasn't true. That wasn't true. Like none of it. None of it. No, they took all that. So back they in. so they just they wanted to make him seem even more terrifying. Than Probably. It. It's the this news. was CNN. It's yeah, the yeah, news. Yeah, they were like, they were like <laughs> he was basically Tyler Durden from Fight Club. He was going to blow up all of Dallas, yep. and then everybody's scared, and yep. then everybody's watching it's, CNN. It's the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> officials initially initially said that two or more snipers carried out the shooting, with the confusion after later. Um, uh, Attributed to uh, ricocheting bullets and echoes of gunshots. That's what I was talking mm, about earlier. That's why it felt like it was from different yep. angles and everything. I would be scared shitless. Oh my god! Um, so this part I'm about to read, I think I believe it came up in my story last week or the week before. So in November 2016, um, um, Enrique Zimapera, the father of Officer Patrick Zimapera, one of the murdered police officers, filed a lawsuit against Black Lives Matter. And, thir- and 13 other defendants, including the Nash, the Nation of Islam, and the New Black Panther Party, um, and the Reverend Al Sharpton, and <laughs> individual activists. For their rhetoric? The lawsuit seeked $550 million in damage and claims that Johnson was acting as an agent for the defendants and, alleged, and allegedly that the defendants um, incited violence and accused and caused Dallas shooting as a direct result. You'd never win a case like that because that is not. it was set such a crazy precedence that you, I mean, I think people did sue Alex Jones when he said like Sandy Hook happened or didn't happen or whatever. But if you could sue people because of what their words made somebody do, if you set that precedence in a courtroom, rappers would be in court every oh, week. Yeah. It, it, that's a, that's a crazy spiral. You can't win a case like that. No. Also that's $550 million. I think, I think he just thought somebody would settle. I, I have to assume that's what he thought. Somebody would just settle. And he, that's a crazy lawsuit. That's what that kid. I remember. I don't remember how it played out. I don't really know how it played out. The bottom line is he had the snootiest little dickhead face. That kid that was in DC and the native American dude was banging his drums and mm-hmm. he was standing there like, Oh, you play drums, huh? I don't know how that played out as far as it looked like he just had a dickhead face. So I didn't like his face. He sued CNN for like a $250 million or Why? something. Cause they made him look racist oh, or so they were like yeah. this, this white privileged kid is disrespecting this native American man. And he said like that was defamation or, you know, his parents did it, but oh, for sure. they said it was, he sued them for like a quarter billion dollars and they settled recently. I don't know how much he did got. they, I don't know how much he got. I don't think he got that much, but I mean, I'm sure he never has to work again, and now he can go speak at Republican events and fucking. Wow. He's set. He is now a like Republican figurehead. He got a nice chunk of money for the. Oh, for sure. He they <laughs> he got millions of dollars. Yeah. For what I don't again I don't know what happened. He looks like the snootiest little dickhead in that video, <laughs> and that's all I saw from it. But apparently, the way CNN framed it, it, he looked racist or I don't really know. But sometimes you can you know swing for the fences, and they and these some of these institutions will settle. You can That's come crazy. up big. That's crazy. You might not get five hundred million, but you got you. If you get fifteen million, that's fifteen million more dollars than you had yesterday. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't bring your son back. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you yeah. Know, but still. Um. So after a result of the shooting, 
Local law enforcement officers worked more than $800,000 worth in overtime to help the Dallas Police Department. This included $86,000 spent by the Dallas County Sheriff's offices, $88,000 spent by the Arlington Police Department, about $705,000 by the um, DPD, and unknown sons by the um, Irving Police Department and Dallas Fire Rescue Department. So I'm guessing that was just what they had to use to be reinforcement. Yeah. So following this shooting and um, and another in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that killed three police officers and wounded three officers, three others, mm-hmm. the local law enforcement agency across the U.S. began readjusting response strategies, with more officers being paired upon paired up in patrol vehicles. This is a good idea. Um, so you're Attention, not being tensions, outnumbered. Tensions yeah. are high, man. I, I'm not going to get into. You know, listen, we have we've spoken on this before. That's a hard ass job. And yeah. then when you start hearing reports of people are shooting police, then you go, you want to go home. Yeah. So you know what's the their, crazy? That's their strategy. The crazy know? part is like when when I was younger, and I used to see you see movies with police officers and then they usually always have a partner. Yeah. I'm like, if I did that job, I would want to have a partner with me. Yeah. Not I, bad boys. Me riding by myself. No. I just no. nah, man. It's crazy that that yeah, like you said, I just you just I, you just assume that's always the thing, but I guess it's yeah. not. It's not always. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that my godfather. Can you had like, like go? A, can you ask? Guy. Yeah. Can I request? I'd like to request a partner. I always. <laughs> I always wanted somebody there with me. Like that movie End of Watch. Oh, man. very. That's that's one of my favorite movies. So sad. Ter- it was heartbreaking. Uh, big twist too. Yep. I won't get into it. I don't want to ruin it for people. Um. So departments also begin, um, to increase security and surveillance at protest events, um, against police. Within 12 days following the shooting of DPD, received 467 job applications, representing a 344% increase from the 138 applications received by the department in June. Mm. Um, I just thought that was just a little cool tip just to see how things went after the shooting, after everything was settled. Sure. What happened? Um, so that's a hell of a fucking increase for uh, applications. Oh, but um, that was my story of uh, Micah Xavier Johnson. Um, I just wanted to d- get more in detail with that story, other yeah. than just it being a robot that f- fucking blows him a up in the pieces, blew, smithereens. Yeah. yeah, that's that's like um, the main part that I yeah. remember from that story. Um, so it's good to get the um. The yeah, story. so I just wanted to speak on all the other stuff, which was in the the same nation of Islam was in my last three stories. Yeah, it's just the same basic stuff of. All three of these stories, like, oh, this, I, I'm going to kill white people. Yeah. And it's I, just, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, these mics are live, so I would not want to disrespect Minister Farrakhan on a microphone. Yeah. But a lot of people who follow his teachings, um, it, they're very intense. Yeah. And um, that's all I have to say. It's a, it's a very big coalition of people, and I, 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 I don't. Some stuff I don't even want to talk about on a microphone. Some but stuff I don't even nation, know. So the don't nation of Islam, um, a lot of people that go down those pathways uh, follow the fall it, into it the comes up all the time. Minister Farrakhan teachings and things like that. Yeah, and I'll leave it at that. So it, it's very common exactly. to hear those two things of like somebody's a black nationalist and they listen to Nation of Islam sp- uh, speeches from Minister Farrakhan. Yeah. You know, so but I'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some stuff, man. I, I just. No, thank you. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some more fucked up shit. So stick around. All right. And we are back. Fran, uh, my affirmative murder this week. I, I, I mentioned something about doing the story of Billy Chamirmir, a guy that I was um, 
finding out about recently, but then I went and paid a visit to some family members and was reminded of a local story that's incredibly crazy. And with the times that we're in and we're revolutionizing people and galvanizing people and trying to motivate people to make change in their community, I wanted to tell this story. And as, like I said, some of the stuff that we've discussed about, you know, if you see something, say something today in this, in this podcast, we've discussed some things that all kind of come up in this in my story this week. My affirmative murder this week is the story of the Dawson family murders mm. and how true crime could revolutionize police relations in the inner city black and brown communities. Okay. So <clears throat> all my uh my sources are an article from the medium the medium.com by Ryan Fan and also an article from the Baltimore Sun. And also before I start my story, I just want to say you can anywhere I say Baltimore, you can you can, you know, control whatever like on a computer, take out and put in Detroit, Los Angeles, Atlanta. The, this applies to any everywhere. This this is a, across the board. Yeah. This story could happen anywhere, has happened anywhere, probably in any of these black cities. And I think that the, the true crime genre could be not the answer, but I think that it could help people in a, in a way. And I'll explain and, and expound on that as I do my story. <clears throat> so in the city of Baltimore, 348 people were killed last year. A murder rate per capita worse than El Salvador, Honduras and Guatemala. Man. And these are these are these are um, countries that are going through like drug cartel yeah. wars, you know, so and this is Baltimore so small. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Baltimore's murder clearance rate in 2019 was just 32 percent, far below the national average and one of its lowest in three decades, which means that 68 percent of murder victims did not gain justice in the city of Baltimore. Mm. Criminals wrapped up in blood feuds and drug wars have become so callous and detached that they'll risk the casualty of a small child to settle a beef. Not even babies are safe from harm in some of Baltimore's most high crime neighborhoods. Every night is, is a new story. And I've gotten some, it's, it's, it's funny because what you see on the news and then, you know, when you have family that's in the mix and you get the full details and you hear like, Oh yeah, man, uh, a dude got robbed. The dude didn't, the dude that robbed him didn't know. He was a big time player in the city. Like he was a major mover in the city, and the dude put a hundred thousand on his head. Yeah. So they're killing his. They're killing his sister. His everybody until they get him. Yeah. But then on the news, it's just like, oh, a seventeen year old was shot in a car. This and you when you find out the pettiness of what what is happening. Yeah. It's crazy. It makes it seem like they make it seem like it's random. Exactly, yeah. and it's like no, the, all this shit is. It's all blood feuds and revenge yeah. and yeah. territory based, and you know, it all it all comes from something. Nine times out of ten, sometimes it is random. Yeah, but most of the time, it's just random to the news because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. in street politics. Yeah, like. but when it when they when they say it was headshots, that's not that's to me it's like that's not random. Yeah, I don't like think that's in, random. Intention to yeah. Them. They wanted to make sure. Yeah, it, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so um, so despite the tragedy of the crime and the outrage expressed by the residents, a combination of police mistrust. Backed by a no snitching mantra that, if not uh, if not followed willingly, is enforced physically, often leaves detectives with dead end leads and a cold case folder piled to the ceiling. Mm. Witness intimidation is a real and terrifying phenomenon for residents in violent neighborhoods run by drug crews. They'd much rather not get involved than face the retaliation that can end up in death. 
Angela Dawson was known as a crusader in East Baltimore, in the East Baltimore area of Oliver. But neighbors say that some in the community that engaged in criminal behavior did not appreciate her efforts and tried to threaten and silence her. According to a local resident, they, this is a quote from him. Uh, the quote is, they said stuff like if she ever came out on the streets, they were going to kill her. Damn. Early in the month of October in 2002, Angela and her husband, Carnell Dawson's home was firebombed. Mm. Two Molotov cocktails were thrown through the kitchen window. Carnell Dawson smelled the smoke and extinguished the fire. The family boarded up the window, but Dawson struggled with young people who loitered on the corner sometimes until 3 a.m. And uh, another neighbor would say that she didn't want drug traffickers around her kids. Whether for pride or financial reasons, the Dawson's chalked the attack up as an isolated incident and continued staying in their home. What? Authorities say that they uh, made an offer for relocation, but the offer was refused. What? So I don't know if, but I don't know if that's how for work. cooperation. If they, like you gotta, you gotta yeah. go appear in court if you want us to whatever, or you gotta drop everything, or if you, you know, I don't know what. I'm sure there was a reason. I yeah. have to. I'm sure the reason wasn't just like it's inconvenient. But like I said, let you know, I have the actual full dates. But early in October, firebomb comes through these people's window. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they all, already often have, you know, um, disputes with the kids out on the corner because they live. Their house was on a corner. Yeah. And kids oh, will shit. be out on the corners selling yeah. you know, all, two for five. All that. All, you know, all day in front That's of the steps. shootings and shit be happening. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, you, on, on a corner, people might want don't sell drugs here. Yeah. So it's like a bad get. Please get away from in front of my house. Yeah. I don't want what you're doing to end up affecting my house. They and didn't like problem. that. Yeah. They didn't like that. So, like I said, the firebomb goes through the window. I'm sure they had some suspicions that it might have had something to do with them calling the police on these kids and yeah. telling them to get in front of get from in front of their house. But they remained in the house. They chalked it up to like whatever. We put it out, it, a prank or whatever. I'm gone. I'm out of there. I'm gone. I'm not here to victim blame, but I'm just saying, if a firebomb comes through my window, we don't live there anymore. That's it. I, I can't sleep. I can't go to. I can never sleep here no. again. I can't go to. I, I'm. I, I. Oh man, that's terrifying. Got a family and shit. No. Yeah, that's, that's terrifying, bro. I, 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 I'd have to leave. Uh, the Dawsons had called the police in or the city 109 times between Damn. 2000 and 2002 to report drug activity. According to court filings, dealers fought back, mounting a campaign of intimidation. So you know, whenever they come out, they you know knocking bags out of their hands, talking shit to them. They had like five kids, you know, just talk, you know, just. Bitch, all that type, you know, yeah. oh, you walk out of your house, there's something going, it's some kind of incident, you know, and on top of that, they're also selling drugs in front of your house still. Yeah. So they're still doing the thing that you don't want them to be doing. And now you're on their radar. Yep. So now it's like, they're already doing something bad and now they're fucking with you. Yep. Right. So the tensions were mounting between the Dawson's and these kids on this corner. Uh, a couple of weeks after the firebombing on October 16th, emergency services were notified of a raging fire on Oliver Street. When first responders came to the scene, they found that the Dawson's, the Dawson and her five, that Dawson and her five children had died in a fire. Mm. Her husband, Carnell Dawson Sr. had escaped by jumping out of a second story window. Wow. In critical condition with burns covering most of his body, he died a couple of weeks later. Wow. So they, they, they did the same thing? The same. They came back. I mean, you know, they, you know. 
a I mean, well, how did they do the, how did you do the fire though? What did they I'll do? get I, it's, oh. I, I got the details and cool. I, I got them. I, I'll, I'll get to them. Uh, the whole house would end up a blackened shell mm. with melted children's toys scattered about the streets of East Baltimore of the East Baltimore neighborhood. An aunt of the children was quoted in saying simply, I didn't think they would go this far before walking away from the scene. Mm. That night, classmates of the kids would leave a big card near the house saying messages such as rest in peace, Keith and Kevin, which were two of the sons. They were twins. Uh, Dawson's, even though I didn't know y'all, I got love for you. And uh, I love you, Angel. So now I get to. Um, Where was this? This was on Oliver Street. It was on Oliver and Oliver and Biddle in East Baltimore. Hmm. Um, I have a family member that lives around there, and I don't want to say because I don't. I don't think this is snitching, but I don't. I don't. That whole and I'll get into that whole thing. I wouldn't want to say who my family member is that lives around there because I don't want the. That's how fucked up the whole yeah the whole street code is. But I wouldn't want to say my family member's name because I'm telling this story and I don't want it to sound like I'm telling on somebody or something. Yeah. So. I have family that you've been to this person's house. I I have family on this street. So okay. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> oh, it was on the same street. It was on the corner where oh. my family member lives. Yeah, yeah. They 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 were they they saw this. The house yeah. was in flames. It was like a crazy night. Like the whole house burned down. Uh, Darrell Brooks was born on June tenth, nineteen eighty one, and throughout his childhood watched his family evaporate as his dad walked out when he was born mm. and his mother beat him so badly when he was five that she lost custody of him. Damn. When he was 12, his brother Jeffrey was shot to death. He was living as a teenager in a row home with his two sisters struggling through school and taking antidepressants to numb his trauma. Brooks' friend, Trevira Jefferson, would say that his upbringing would leave him very impressionable to older boys in the community who would tell him to steal and fight, and he would do both. Mm. Brooks basketball coach William Wells would say that he was a really he was really angry as a child. So just pay attention to some of the stuff I'm saying about yeah. he's impressionable, his family's dead, just some of these stuff, some of these things. He would do stuff when the older kids would tell him to do stuff. Brooks was arrested numerous times in his youth for minor drug offenses. And uh on one occasion, he was seven. On one occasion when he was 17, Brooks pointed a BB gun at an 11-year-old boy uh, before stealing his mountain bike. Mm. So he was just that kid in the hood that, yeah. that you don't want to come across because he's a little off and he's, Always he's angry. angry and dangerous and, you know, just erratic. Yeah. Uh, many people would try to help Brooks and a councilman would help would help him get a job at City Hall where he helped adjust microphones and fill pictures. So he was kind of like a page, like a government page that he would go run errands for people in, in, in city hall. Yeah. Which is some kind of look, it's not like a lucrative job, but it's some people trying to put you on the right path. Yeah. But it sounds like this kid was too far gone. Yeah. And I'll continue to get to why that is, but just some of the stuff I've named already, he might, you you might have you might have to work pretty fucking hard to pull him back from the path that he's way down. Yeah. Um. In May two thousand two, and the fire was in October two thousand two. A councilman saw him at a bus stop and noted that Brooks hadn't shown up to work in a long time. Brooks and Dawson were neighbors, and Dawson was always bothered by the boys yelling on the corner, the going prices for crack. 
Brooks at the time was on the corner as a 21 year old lookout. According to police, this is a job usually occupied by fifth graders. Yeah. So this is a dude that didn't have much respect. He was just looking for somewhere to belong, was a hanger on in this crew that sold on this, you know, on this block on Oliver Street. And he just got in where he could fit in. Probably, he wasn't, they even, probably sent he him wasn't the, even doing. No, they probably sent him to the store, you know, hit him off with a couple of dollars at the end of the day. But he had a place to call where he, you know, where he belonged. Family. Yeah. yeah. The guys, who, the guy who really was in charge could sit on his steps because he like he was he was he was um, Angela uh, Dawson's neighbor. Oh, okay, so yeah. they basically his house probably they probably you know they probably had the work in his house they probably sat on his steps joked around littered all yeah. that kind of stuff and his house was kind of like yeah keep the shit in his house because so he was on both sides of the Dawson's then or Dawson's well the Dawson's Dawson. was on the corner yeah but but they chilling on the corner and, and it was at his house yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so they just surrounding these, yep. these people's houses and you know it's row homes in Baltimore yeah the walls are thin yeah and. The people are outside, so when they're in the house, you can hear them. When they're out front, you can hear them, and they're selling crack in front of your house. Yeah, it's just chaos. Uh, in the time span between June and October, the Dawsons would call the police thirty-five times as a result of clashes between them and the dealers outside their house. Brooks admitted to throwing the Molotov cocktail on October third, and then again two weeks later on October sixteenth. The attack in the attack that killed the Dawson's. Mm. Brooks would say in the latter attack, he kicked the Dawson's front door open, splashed a pickle jar full of gasoline on the stairs, and lit the flame. He was arrested a day later and charged with murder. Since he was on probation at the time and no probation officer was supervising him, two probation officers were disciplined. So he was just kind of out on probation, but running free. He he had yeah. he wasn't checking in. He wasn't doing anything that like that. Now, the reason I didn't want to say any family member's name is that the word on the street is that, and I don't have any names. I wouldn't give any names because I don't want any problems like that. Because um, a person there's there's no there's nothing to be done is my point. But mm. the word is like all the stuff I just said. He's twenty one. He's he's the lookout. You know he the people would tell him to go steal stuff. The word is they had this dude go to the gas station to get the gas and that he didn't even throw the thing. Mm. But they found he lives next door. Yeah. So they found the shit in his house. So he Man. couldn't even snitch. Yeah. He couldn't even go. It wasn't me. It was this person. They go, well, we found we found the gas. The gas is in your house. Yeah. You're the neighbor. People saw you here. It was you. Yeah. We can't pin it on anybody else and we won't pin it on anybody else because it was you. You don't have the option of telling on somebody. You're caught with blood on your hands. So, but again, I don't, Damn. I don't know how, tr I don't know how true that is. But that's the word around that area, that it might not have been him who did the kick the door and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I also, like I read, they would go, "Hey man, go steal from that person." He go do it. So maybe it was him. But there's some people around that area who go, "He was just a flunky. Mm. He went and just got the gas because they told yeah. him to go get the gas." But He's in prison for this. So that's all that that's that's the end of the story as far as that's concerned. That's but crazy. I, yeah. But I'll continue. Uh, uh Brooks would eventually plead guilty in a in a federal court to law to arson resulting in death and sought forgiveness for the deaths of the Dawson family. He also like pretty much asked for the death penalty. And prosecutors would say that uh Brooks was not eligible for the death penalty because his mental capacity was so impaired that he was not eligible for it. 
So life with life without parole would be his sentence. Do you think he did it? I don't know. I can only go off of yeah. what happened. I can hear people's, you know, the streets talk. So all that stuff can get all twisted up. Yeah. The streets, the streets. I'm not, I'm, I'm the most suburban fucking, but people have told me <laughs> that he was a flunky and he went to the gas station to get the gas. They don't know if he necessarily threw the, the gas and thing and all that kicked the door and put the gas on the steps, but maybe he did. Probably fucking told him the, Hey man, look, or maybe he did, but they plea, told him to. You know, when they plead guilty and say you want the death penalty to or, make it more, it's like you really. Did. Yeah, and don't like, say my name. It could, it could be either one great. of those things. Because as I've stated, he was a 21 year old lookout boy. Because if he didn't do that, he had a target on his head too. So, did he do it? I don't know, but he's in prison for it. So, you know, so and that's why The Wire is such a good show because they nail so many of these little intricacies where it's like sometimes you got to go do the bid. You didn't do it. But this person can't go to jail. You fucked up. You got caught. So you got to eat the whole charge. They they lay that out so beautifully in mm. the wire. The street politics, the 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 city, the 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 government politics in these cities, and it, that show is done so beautifully. And when you live in a city, I mean, you live in the actual city that the wire is based on. But I think I feel like that again. You can take Baltimore out and put in Detroit, whatever. Boom, 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 and you, the the same kind of layout exists. Yeah, Baltimore is unique in a lot of ways. But there's also a lot of stuff that's like just interchangeable. But that show really lays it out. And when you really know politics and the way they were going after these drug uh, uh, criminals and the drug war and how the police are, they're basically exclusively looking to make drug busts. That's like the job of a police officer mm-hmm. over the last 20 or 30 years is to, f- to find drugs and guns. Yeah. And when you see that laid out in the show so beautifully, you go, oh, wow, this shit is crazy, man. Everything, there's a system and the, everything has a a design to it. Yeah. And that show really lays that out really intricately. And it's, it's a really great show. Um, soon after the Dawson murder, the Dawson murders, the notorious stop snitching DVD. I don't know if you remember, like you remember yeah. you know, the stop sign with the yes. stop snitching. Had a shirt. I probably had a stop snitching shirt. It was a really big movement. And I, you know, I was a kid, but yeah, I can't again, believe you wore that shirt. What? I can't believe you. Wore don't that ask shirt. me if I had a shirt and then throw me under the bus like that. I had a lot of, I had a lot of shirts. Stop snitching. I had a, I'm all about the dough boy. Yeah. I'm all about the dough boy yeah. shirt. And it was the Pillsbury dough boy on it. I but had he, had that, like, I had, he had like a grill. I had that shirt too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, I had, I had, I had the shirt with like the big credit card on it. It was like Hustler or something. Yeah. The big credit card. Oh, I had a lot of foolish shirts. So you I, had the shirt with the dollar on it. Then you had that. Did you I, have that I shirt? Might, I had a shirt where it had uh, a pair of shoes on it. I and remember the sh- that shirt. The, the shoe shoestrings. Like, the shoestrings could come off the shirt. I remember you when you get that lady, shirt. That's, ladies, you, could, you couldn't stop talking about that shirt. The ladies shirt. would go, because I would go to middle school, and the ladies would be like, can I tie your, can sh- tie- can I tie your shoes? Oh I'm like, God. yeah, you can go ahead and tie those. I didn't talk that cool about it. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can, yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, no. So the Stop Snitching DVD came out. I was going to say something about Mello, Carmelo Anthony, but as I thought about it, I said that was a different message. And I, I was, I was going to say Mello needs to come out, because he was a guy that had the the Warner Brother tattoo. Yeah. And when you see the cops, Warner Brother. Warner Brother, but it was like the WB logo yeah. and all that kind of stuff. That's not necessarily saying don't snitch, yeah. right? But anyway, this Stop Snitching DVD came out, set the streets of Baltimore on fire. Everybody had Stop Snitching, like a stop sign, yeah. Stop Snitching shirts and everything. And it really created this culture because it was a rapper, this guy named Skinny Shug, and it it he, he made Don't Snitch like cool. Yeah. You know, and it already was kind of a code. But the code had, um, 
the code had rules to it. Yeah. Like everybody isn't a snitch or a rat. If you break into my house and I call the police, I'm not a snitch. But that's what it turned into. And that's what it still is. If you get robbed and you call the if you cooperate with the police as a civilian, yeah. There there's rules to that kind of stuff, which is yeah. what I'll get into. The the story pretty much um has come to us um it's come to its conclusion. I'm now I'm getting into the the true crime aspect that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, but before you go on, there was a there was a video of Lil Bibby who was a rapper, a Chicago rapper, uh-huh. who it was like an interview. I may be getting, I hope I'm not getting the word around, but the guy was like, "So what if somebody? I know the code is stop, don't snitch or stop snitching, whatever. Sure. But what if somebody shoots your mom and kills your mom? Uh-huh. Are you calling the police? He's like, Nah. Yeah. I'm, I'll handle. I'll handle. Oh man, myself. one of the most famous ones of that I think Bill. Uh, Bill Mc, what's that guy from Fox News? Bill, uh, somebody screaming at the at their at their car right now. Uh, I don't watch the news. The guy that got oh, he has he hasn't been on TV for a long time. Oh. Something Irish, Mick something. Uh, Mick, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, no, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, people know who I'm talking about. I think it was him. If it wasn't him, it might have been Anderson Cooper. I can't remember. They interviewed Cameron, mm-hmm. and they were like, <laughs> it, "It's such it's so ridiculous that it, it is funny though." But they go. What if uh, you found out a serial killer lived next door to you? Would you call the police? No, nah, I wouldn't call the police. I, you know, I probably would move, but um, call the police? No, nah, I, w- I wouldn't call the police, but I probably would move. You know? Yeah. Now, what I wanted to say before I get into the whole thing about, you know, so like I said, I, I'm uh, the, the, young, the young guy, uh, Brooks, he, life without parole. Uh, right after the Dawsons get killed, the Stop Snitching DVD comes out snitching takes on a new life what it is what it isn't it glorified it glorified witness intimidation they were saying like you know let me know because the guys in the videos like man let me know man send me a list where the snitches are i want to deal with these people we got to eradicate snitches right um uh so and the video actually led to uh officials like government officials pressing for tougher witness intimidation laws and a witness intimidation law was passed in 2005 mm. uh now what i'll say is there is, like I said about the thing, if somebody breaks into your house, hurts a family member of yours, you as a civilian are not a snitch if you call the police. Now, there is a such thing as playing the 50. I'm going to teach, we have a lot of, you know, we have, we have <laughs> yeah. a lot of Caucasian listeners. I'm going to teach you guys some, some, some urban slang. I don't yeah. know if it's just Baltimore, but in Baltimore, it's a, it's a saying here. There's a saying called playing the 50, right? Yep. Playing the 50 is you have, you want to have one foot in and one foot out. Yeah. You want to hang around with the guys that sell drugs, you know, look like you're in the crew of the guy that sells drugs, but when the heat comes, you don't want any part of that. Yep. Now, that can be considered a snitch if you get caught up and you go, no, man, I just, I don't, know. I don't do that. Yeah. I, 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 it was him, right? Because the code is supposed to be, not that I agree with any code or anything like that, but the code is supposed to be, if, you're, if you do dirt and you get caught, that's your dirt. Yeah. Right? That's what it's supposed to be. Now, that's not true. That's a myth. And that's my whole point about I'm going I'm to get into a whole true crime and how I think it could really breaking these stigmas and these ideas. Because if you turn on any episode of the first 48, these dudes are telling on each other left and right. But they want to tell you in the news and on, in these rap songs and everything. I don't tell. I don't fold and this, that. Yeah. And there are some dudes who really are like that. Like the guy with the color of hair. Yeah, we won't. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. But that guy was playing the 50. Yep. That was a guy. That's like the most. He's the ex- he's in the dictionary, in the urban dictionary. If anybody wants to know what playing the fifty is, the rainbow here rapper guy yeah. is the definition of what playing the fifty is. Yeah. Now, as a civilian, you get up and go to work every day. You live your life. If somebody does wrong to you, they rob you, they steal your car, they they hurt somebody in your family, you're not a snitch or a rat if you call the police. Yeah. 
that person did a sloppy job of their crime and they they got caught. As a matter of fact, I want to play. There, a, a a man said it no better than I can put it, and I'll continue my story. But I want to I want to play a clip because um, the words of Morgan Freeman say it the best. Okay. A regular citizen who reports seeing a crime isn't a snitch or a rat. The criminals were just sloppy. Snitches and rats are not the same thing. Let me break it down to make sure y'all see what I mean. A snitch is someone minding other folks' business to find information they can sell for a price or trade for some other form of compensation. A rat is a traitor a conceiver, planner, or physical participator. He doesn't sell secrets for power or cash. He betrays the trust of his team or his family, hoping to save his own cowardly ass. The difference is, at least a snitch is human, but a rat is a fucking rat, period. Uh, that was from 21 Savages, Savage Mode. Yeah. Uh, great album. I love that album. Was uh, that really Morgan Freeman? Yeah, it's really Morgan Freeman. You tell he oh, he had a smack. Oh, his his, vo- his voice is like a <laughs> his voice is like an English muffin with butter and, and jelly on it. It's like it's rough, but it's smooth, but it's sweet, but it's 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 savory, <laughs> but it's it's so many things. It, it, oh man, uh, it, talking it, like an old person. Yeah, it's got so much wisdom in it, and yeah. oh man, yeah. But no, uh, that code is supposed to apply to people living in that life. Yeah. A person like Angela Dawson, who just doesn't want people selling drugs out in front of their house, is not a snitch if she calls the police because people are selling drugs out in front of their house, right? And growing up in growing up in Baltimore, you know, I had a I had a grandmother who like, and you have you have a grandmother that's the same way that's like, um, wash the steps, keep everything in order and everything. But the the everybody's looking out for themselves. It's like, I can only control my space. Mm-hmm. But right next door, the person right next door, they might be littering everywhere, throwing trash everywhere. And um, I think that if, and the creation the creation of this podcast, we wanted to, we wanted to you know, uh, shed a light on the dark side of true crime or whatever, right? And I think that you could agree with me that our initial idea for starting this podcast wasn't even fully formed it didn't even really we didn't even really understand what we were doing until we started doing it yeah. and started really realizing some of the reasons of um what these what these crimes and happening in these communities and why they're not talked about and why they have these similar kind of things and a lot of the some of the crimes are very similar in, in nature and everything we didn't even really know that when we started we just go man you don't really talk about you know a lot of black victims and black you know perpetrators of you know serial killers and things like that yeah. on these podcasts and stuff, and then you get into it and you you know you start to see the the patterns of you know the remnants of the crack epidemic, you know, uh, leaving people destitute and on the streets and being sex workers and swimming in addiction and everything, and so they're almost like these victims that are just wandering on the streets. Yeah, and then all it takes is one person like the guy in your story who has a psychotic break or doesn't like hates women or anything like that, and they go, oh my god, the street is littered with. All these victims that I can just nobody cares about, nobody knows their name, nobody knows where they live. It's 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 like open season. Yeah. Right? So, and that's why I read that email about uh drug addiction and ways to cure everything that not everything, but there's a lot of problems in inner city communities that can be solved with major systemic change at a ground level 
and intercommunity uh, action and uh, working with the police. Now, mm -hmm. in Baltimore, there's a lot of police mistrust. I don't know the way back to that. But what I will say is, if black people, um, and I, there's black people who love true crime, who love, you know, First 48 and, and maybe not cops. Uh, black people, black people watch cops. But First 48 and things like that. If black people got an interest in, in you know, black people like cold case files and things like that. My point is, if, it, if you take away the stigma of talking to, the, giving information to the police, they can't solve any of these crimes. Yeah. Because people won't cooperate with the police. Now, it's also incumbent on the police to be able to provide safety for people who step forward and maybe testify uh, against a, a, a criminal or something. Because in Angela Dawson's case, they failed her. That's what they fuck up. Yeah. Mayor, we had a mayor who came in. Mayor O'Malley came in in the early 2000s. He came in with this proposal of like, believe. And he came in, he ran on, and he got in office, and he he encouraged people to uh, work with the police and, yeah. and, and testify and come to court and all this kind of stuff. A woman who owned a salon, I can't remember her name right now, she got murdered. Yep. She she got she got murdered for, you know, cooperating. So you can't tell people to cooperate with the police, help you solve these crimes, and not provide them the proper security to feel like they can do that. Because until it becomes more widespread, the little couple of people who step out and decide to be Angela Dawson will be snuffed out. Yep. It needs to be a mass movement. Right now, I while I say like I want I want I want people in these communities to to feel comfortable doing that. Like I said, it's also incumbent on the police to provide them the space and the and the safety to feel comfortable to do that. It's it's a hand and it's a joint effort, you know. Um, but also at the end of this, my whole point, my whole feeling is that the the war on drugs needs to end because it's failed and it's created these these gangs and these cartels and these these supply and demand systems that, you know, uh, you know, just create chaos in the streets. That really that at the core of it, I think the war on drugs has caused 80 to 90 percent of the mentalities, the 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 conditions and and so much more in these inner city communities. And then you have so many people who are good, decent people that just have to. This is where I live. So I have to live by these rules. Yeah. I can't tell on people. I have to come back here and live. I, this is where I, I can't do that. You that's know? terrifying. So that's, that's just the conditions for some people. Everybody in these situations, there's good people that live in these neighborhoods who, you know, go to work, pay their taxes, take care of their home and everything like that. And they're being, they're being, they're, they're being the, the back of their neck is being grabbed by drug gangs. You know, it really is. And then on top of that, now that's been going on so long. You get a situation like that rapper from Chicago where now the drug thing is whatever. Now the new drug is, is clout and, 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 uh, popularity. So yeah. now the, and now these, these crews who already have established themselves as, as drug gangs are now getting into even more petty fights over who has the most followers and who is what more popping and whatever, you know? So now on top of that chaos that's been happening for decades, now you have this new layer of chaos that's causing even more, uh, shootings and violence and everything like that for these retaliations and everything. So it's just all chaos. I don't really know what to do about that, but that's the situation where the gun thing is coming into play and people yeah. bringing in all these illegal guns and you got 15 year olds and 13 year olds who don't have any, you know, uh, you know, control or impulse control 
here's some disrespectful shit. Fuck you're this. Fuck you're that. Yeah. Your, your cousin died, whatever. And they're like, okay, cool. You, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. It's just chaos. There's no man. other way. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just chaos, yeah. man. I, and, and again, this is another situation. We are a podcast that dips our toes in the water. I don't have any answers to any of the things I just said. All I'm saying is I'm pointing out some of the issues. And I think that um, the stop snitching culture really blossomed into and, and transformed and morphed into this thing where people are now trapped in these neighborhoods and don't see a solution. One, because also sometimes they might feel like, well, if I call the police, they might, I don't trust them. They might yeah. do something to me. So not only that, but also they might do something to me, but these kids definitely will do something to me if I call the police on them yeah. and the police come to my house and knock on my door and they're like, Oh, those kids, all that, you know? <laughs> oh, they come, you call the police, they come knock on your door and you go, did you call about those kids over there? Now they Pointing see shit. you, yeah. you know? So you have to deal with that when the police leave. So I don't really know what the solution is, but Angela Dawson was seemingly a really nice lady who just wanted to take care of her kids and live her life and not have people selling crack out in front of her house. And because of that, they burned her house down. That's sad, man. Now, and the, the, you know, the saddest part, the shit that really broke my heart, um, I have a I have a family friend, almost like an uncle. His name is Terrence. He's a firefighter. Mm-hmm. He went into the house. Damn, for real? He went into the house. He said the the mom and the kids were all in one room, huddled up together, mm. and they died like that. Because those row homes, you burn the first floor. Let's say you're on the third floor. Yeah. Both the exit. If that house doesn't have a fire escape, which I don't think it did, you can't get out. The fire. The first floor is burning. Those yeah. where both the doors are. Mm. And I think it was a situation like that. It like worked its way up from the first floor. They had nowhere to go. Fire. The steps were on fire. He, you know, they say they put the gas on the steps. The steps were on fire. You can't Damn. come downstairs. You know. So they just huddled up in a room and uh, and died. And I guess the dad said "fuck it" and tried to jump. Up. I mean, that's cr- I mean, what a, what a decision, man. When I heard that part, it made me think about nine eleven because there was people that had to make a decision to burn up or jump out or man. jump out. Yeah, you know, and that's such a that's such a fucking. What are you even? What? That's insane, man. But um. Uh, I, I see a lot of hope. Let me let me continue with some of the stuff that um, I wanted to say. So uh, um, just to, and to wrap it up, Angela Dawson is a shining example of the courage that is necessary to combat intimidation and threats from th- from these drug crews that have a lot of inner city residents, residential neighborhoods gripped in fear. However, the city needs to do a better job of making witnesses feel protected. The state's attorney's office has uh, greatly expanded its victim and witness services programs, including opening a uh, opening a redesigned waiting room in the Mitchell courthouse to incorporate trauma and informed components that address the anxiety witnesses may feel before testifying. Cause that, I mean, you got to go on a a stand and there's a a people in the, in the, in the, in the crowd. Yeah. You know, they make a note. Oh, that's, they live on, you know, 43rd or, you know, so that's a lot of shit. You know, I might not ever be able to go back to my neighborhood. And I think they, and I think they like put out your address or something when they, when you go up, Oh, pro- like I mean, that. probably. I, like, are you you have the to person like, from like twenty four? Yeah, because like, you got to be on the record. You, you got to be on the record. You know, you they have to prove that you were in the na- all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I feel like you can come forward as an unidentified witness, and there's also encouragement. Like that's a good step. They're they're encouraging this, like anonymous phone calls. Yeah, you know, that's a start. Make more anonymous phone calls. I, I don't want to say my name, but this this guy is the guy. You know, they, they do this. They they shot this person. Whatever. You know, just. It's a start because it really is like frozen in fear. 
people don't want to say anything. Yeah. Because they don't want to have to deal with the consequences. Anyway, uh, so but until this but until this but until this year, the witness protection program was largely underfunded and ran a def ran a deficit, meaning the office could only help so many people. Governor Larry Hogan added more than two million dollars in this year's budget for witness protection in Baltimore, and hopefully that will go a long way in protecting families. People aren't going uh, uh, in protecting families. People aren't going to testify against people who they may have to walk by every morning. Yeah. Right. I think that it's really under, under talk, not talked about a lot. What LeBron did though, recently, somebody in Cleveland, it's the sister of somebody, a GM or uh, some kind of worker oh, at yeah. the Cavaliers stadium or something. His sister got killed and LeBron James put out a tweet saying, listen, anybody who lives in the Cleveland, you know, area, we need to find whoever did this. And that's a big statement coming from a dude like that. That was why I, I held back on my, my criticism of Carmelo Anthony. I don't, like I said, the Warner Brothers, it's, it's tongue in cheek. He was young. I don't, it's not saying, you know, don't snitch on people or something. It's just saying, you know, whatever. It's a little jokey thing. Yeah. But people respect Melo as much as they respect LeBron. And LeBron's saying, listen, man, a civilian got killed. I'm asking other civilians to help us find a murderer. You're not a snitch. You're not ratting on somebody. You're providing information to help solve a case. Yeah. You know, I think that was big. I think that was big what he did. It's not being talked about a lot, but seeing a prominent black athlete say, it's not snitching to help somebody solve a murder of somebody that I care about. My, my friend, his sister got killed. And um, people, if you have information, please come forward. I haven't looked in to see if that affected anything, but that's a really big call yeah. for LeBron to say, you know, I would imagine they must have got a at least an anonymous phone call or something. I, I have to imagine it led to something. I could be wrong, though. I hope so. I hope so, too. But we need more people stepping up and saying, listen, this is your community. You know, um, take it back. You know, take it back. Get, the, you know, you know, it, it you a drug crew is easily replaced. That's why I say that the war on drug needs to end. Yeah. Because you could lock up all those kids in front of Angela Dawson's house, and that's open territory. Yeah, and in a week, maybe probably less than a week, it'll a be five new, new kids new out there. You know, the next. So they, you need to take away the supply that they have and redistribute it in another way. And I don't have the, I don't have the resources or the capabilities to really lay out what what that is and what I've seen, how I've seen that work. That's why I brought up Oregon earlier. Yeah. All the stuff I kind of sometimes I think like Kanye West. I'm like, I can't really put everything together, but here's a piece and here's a piece and here's a piece, right? Yeah. So Oregon, they are they legalize drugs in a way. We'll see how that plays out. That might lead. It'll either lead to showing people the path to what ending the war on drug look, drugs looks like, or you go, that didn't work at all. Yeah, We won't do that here. But I think people should keep an eye on Oregon. I know the jokes are flying. Oh, yeah, go out there. You smoke some crack, whatever. Boom. Keep an eye on it. Because like I said, you can arrest, they could have arrested this this Brooks kid, his whole crew, everybody, and in a, within a week, there'd be a new crew out there. There'd be a new person for her to call the police on. Yeah. So you got to stop it at its root. So I think that encouraging people to, in the meantime, until we get legislation passed, in the meantime, encouraging people to feel comfortable calling the police on criminals and, 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 and taking their neighborhoods back and not being gripped in fear by people who are, you know, terrorizing the neighborhood with with intimidation and threats and all this kind of stuff. They need to feel more empowered to step forward and also feel backed by a law enforcement agency who frankly has not 
has doesn't have much trust with the community these yeah. days. So that's a hard bridge to gap. But that's why I also said again, Kanye West thinking. That's why I also said you can't be locked in here and locked in locked in there. Everybody can you can't just dig in on sides. You got to come together on something, even if that means. Listen, man, what you did to Freddie Gray or insert black person that got killed by the police, what you that was messed up. But we need to find a way to work together as a community because the police are supposed to work for us. So we need to come to we are super angry and we want some things to change and we want some reform. Mm. But in the meantime, we need to communicate and come together and try to find some solutions because with us as the people in the community who want change, working hand to hand with the people who maybe, you know, are good, hardworking police officers who also want to make change, we can really make a difference together. Yeah. But if I'm locked in here and you're locked in there, then every, both sides are mad. It's Blue Lives Matter, it was this, and stickers on that, and Black Lives If you, we just both dig in on both sides, there won't be any kind of coming together to make a difference. And I think that that's I think that's the only way to get something really done. Yeah. You know? I I, I really believe that. And, and, and I could be wrong, but I just really believe you got to work together in some aspect to really make a difference. Yeah. It's just the country's too big and everybody's not going to agree on everything, but you got to be able to put some stuff aside and say, all right, well, we want to start turning in drug dealers and uh, uh, reporting um, um, evidence that we have and, and tips that we have for crimes. But here's the, here's our issues with y'all and you need to hear us out and not just, you know, write us off as ungrateful or whatever the, however, you know, police feel, you know, back and forth. Yeah. You know, there needs to be some kind of come together. So I don't know how that happens, but I really think that, you know, our podcast, more qualified podcast with like, you know, like, you know, scam goddess or something like that, like a really, you know, big budget, well done, you know, cause we're just fucking two dudes that dropped out of college, yeah. but a really well done podcast with black voices saying, Hey man, look, it's okay to really be in a true crime. And if you want to be a little sleuth and fucking solve a crime in your neighborhood, that's okay. You're not a fucking snitch if you do that. It's okay to go, oh, that's, that's crazy. That guy, he has on a red shirt. They said the guy that killed that lady the other night had a red shirt on. I'm going to call this in. I'm not saying go break into somebody's house, be Nancy Drew, but, <laughs> you know, be be a part of the change you want to see in your community. It's okay. Don't be gripped in fear. But it's sometimes you, you, need, the, you, need, you need the backing of somebody that, that's going to make you feel safe and secure in making that decision yeah so it's not just on black people to go hey black people stop letting people die and sell drugs in your neighborhood it's like well i i don't feel protected enough to make a report because i got to deal with the consequences of that and i don't feel like there's anybody here to help me if that happens yeah again to bring up the wire in the season there's a kid he turns into an informant in a young age and the police are like we got your back and everything like that it's cool it's you know what they probably damn as i'm talking about i don't want to I'll, I'll spoil the wire it's fucking a decade old the kid's name is Naaman. he i mean his, his name is randy he turns into a little informant for the police and tells on some people and the police are like we got your back and he gets beat up at school so they put a police officer on his on his block to watch his house to make sure mm -hmm. nothing happens to him they call in a fake police call the police leave Damn. they threw yeah. a firebomb in his house shit so that probably that episode of that whole storyline of the wire was probably based on this angela dawson story Damn. Because they firebombed his house. And uh yeah. So anyway, it's a hard it's a it's, it's a hard parallel, right? Like what, yeah. do you, what do you do? You know, it's like I gotta deal with these people in this on the street level, or I gotta deal with the police. And I don't really trust them right now. So it's like you kind of feel you feel you might be wrong, but you feel damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
you know? Probably all based on options, whatever. If you, if you can't, if you can't move, you don't have the ability to just yeah. get up and move. That's or, a that's a that's a privilege. That's yeah. a privileged option to go. Yeah, ah, this neighborhood's bad now. I'm out. Or they probably grew up in that house. You don't want to leave. You're not just gonna let nobody come in here and just take over what yeah. you you had for years or whatever. But I'm telling man, I ain't <laughs> I ain't without it. <laughs> Telling. Yeah, so just to wrap things up, um, a recent report by Urban Institute's Metropolitan Housing and Communities Policy Center gave proof to what many people already know. Investment in poor African-American neighborhoods lags far behind that in white neighborhoods. Rundown neighborhoods with no job opportunities are the perfect recipe for homelessness and despair. Criminals don't establish what are essentially open drug markets on corners in thriving neighborhoods or stash drugs in clean alleyways. Residents will f- will fight harder for neighborhoods that they are proud of and are vested in. Residents, law enforcement, and city officials must donate, must, I'm sorry, must devote all resources they can into stopping witness intimidation and making cooperation with law enforcement the norm. But the police also have to meet them there as well. I'm not, it's not just on the community. There's a lot of police mistrust and the police need, I'm just, cause this is, this is, this is a quote from yeah. the story by the guy who, from the medium. So yeah. I, that sounds more easy said than done. That's what I mean. It's like, oh yeah, guys clean up your neighborhood and then, you know, <laughs> take some pride and call the police. It's like, yeah. no, there's, there's other factors. So I just want to make sure I, I throw in my contrarian statements. I don't want to just read that off. Like I believe in everything that that guy just said in that statement. Yeah. The police need to make a space for these people to feel comfortable coming forward and 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 testifying or even just giving tips or just yeah, answering the door even. especially lying to your damn face and oh we got your bag we're gonna help you out protect you yeah and it's then, just, it's i'm just saying to get yeah. i'm just saying to get what i need it's, information i need to, to fight us off the exactly. crime. and years of those kind of tactics have left people with no trust and they're like i'm not dealing with that yeah. so I, it's better for me to just come home i got the fucking heavy screen door on my house and i come home and i lock my shit down and when I come out of my house, I go to my car and I leave. I don't talk to anybody. I don't do, you know, I don't do anything like that. I think I told on here jokingly, my grandfather bought a house in the neighborhood when it was the wintertime. And then summertime, those, you know, young kids came out. He's like, oh, I bought a house in a neighborhood that's not so yeah. you know, favorable. And the kids throwing fucking chicken boxes and all trash, potato chips bags and shit. And he's trying to keep his shit pristine. And my grandfather's no chump. He used to get down. But he's like, man, I'm in my 60s now. Yeah. What, I'm going to go press one of these kids about picking up your trash? He's like, I just fucking... Got guns and shit now? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I keep my shit clean, and I just got to deal with whatever. You know what I'm saying? So that's the kind of situation a lot of these people find themselves in. And it's like, oh, I just bought this house. I can't move. I don't have the option to fucking... Who's going to buy this house? There's there's fucking... There's chicken boxes and shit right next... It looks crazy. Yeah. No matter how pretty my house is, you can put all the fixtures, granite countertops, whatever... You put you drive up on the neighborhood. It's like oh, I'm not buying this house. Yep. So the outside, front and shit. Yeah. So it's you know. So just saying, uh, take pride and all this type of shit, man. That's that's dismissive to what the problem is. So I don't I don't agree with all of that. I think it's bigger than just like yeah, clean the alleys up and wash your steps. It's yeah. it's bigger than that. And also, the police need to create an environment where people feel safe coming forward and testifying in these situations. That that's that's what I believe. Um. But like I said, in summation, without the help of the residents of the city, Baltimore's crime problem will always be persistent. Police reform and reimagining is an all hands on deck effort. Like I said, um, uh, my sources for that were um, an article from the medium.com by a guy named Ryan Fan and a Baltimore Sun article. Rest in peace to Angela Dawson and her five children and yeah. her husband, Carnell. 
Um, really sad story. And like I said, uh, I wasn't there that night, but a family member of mine does live in that block. And they said, I mean, it was crazy. Like smoke was just to the sky. Whole, you know, it's right there on the corner. So it's like the whole fucking house burned down. What is it like now? Oh, well, on the is bright the side, I was going to get to, no, they turned it into an after school program. Oh, so they, okay. they rebuilt it. It's now, it's called the Dawson Center. Oh shit. Really? Yeah. It's called the Dawson Center. They get like $270,000 a year. You know, they got computers in there and, and it's like, it's a, it's a place to keep kids off the street. Yeah. So it, what else is over there? Um, St. James and John Catholic School where I went. Is the uh, Mellow Center over there? No I, no, I don't know if it's the Mellow Center, but there's a school and then there's that cage basketball court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the Mellow Center? I don't know if that's the Mellow Center, but you know what basketball court I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, There's the park. That's why I then, thought it was the Mellow Center. The Mellow it Center. might be the Mellow Center, but that that's always been there. So I don't know yeah, if it's always it was the Mellow Court. It might have changed. I, I mean, the know. Mellow Center, but it, I thought that was a school and then there's the... The cage, then basketball yeah. court. It's really cool basketball court. Yeah, it's I've been never open, really. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's, it's they they have some good runs. We are getting real regional. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, around the, around there. That's what's around. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you should not feel intimidated if you saw something. If you saw something, yeah. you should feel completely comfortable um, trying to solve a case. And I, 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 like I said, I think that um, interest in true crime podcasts and interest in true crime like shows, which black people already have. But I think that if they feel more attached to it and more invested in it, like, I mean, when you go on these, let's say you go on the My Favorite Murder Facebook group or you go on, you know, uh, you know, the True Crime Garage Facebook group or you go in uh, Murder Squad is the most per- the perfect example of it. I mean, they their their listeners like give help them solve crimes. They like send in tips, find stuff on the Internet. If if black people felt more of a space to feel comfortable doing even a fraction of that in these neighborhoods that, you know, they they might they might lead to sixty eight percent of homicides in the city not being solved over the or not that not being the case sixty eight percent of the homicides over the last couple of years not solved sixty eight percent that's crazy that's crazy most that means that means almost three out of four times your murder is not going to be solved if you were involved in inner city activity even if you weren't involved you just got killed that example I gave was very real about the guy getting robbed and his people that's that's happening right now I don't yeah. that guy is not caught nobody really knows that but it's like there's people dying over a watch you know a dude is a dude put money on somebody and is there people are being killed in this guy's vicinity because they want him yeah and that kind of shit happens every day a different dude not a, a different situation they hit my mom uh, they stole some money from me. This. They live here. Whatever. They're having sex with my ex-girlfriend. This kind of... St- and then these murders don't get solved because everybody's like, ah, I don't want to be a snitch. I don't want to be a rat. So that mentality has to change before you can talk about... To, again, and again, I'm ready for any kind of dialogue, conversation. Anybody want to have, hit my... You know, you can hit the DMs. You can you can email us, you know, um, at affirmativemurder at gmail.com. You know, you, you, you can send me any kind of retorts. I'm open. I, my mind is always open to being changed. I don't I don't take information as something that's some kind of attack on me. So if you want to if you want to provide me with a new perspective, I'm fully open to it. However, I believe that if you want to talk about ending policing and dismantling police, as opposed to my whole idea of what defund the police is, which is reimagining what the police is. If you want to talk about abolishing the police, um community policing doesn't work if the community is you know terrified to do anything about the people that are you know that are the problem so those are my final thoughts on that again rest in peace to the dawson family um and oh the dawson safe house community center yeah 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 um 
But they call it the Dawson Center around there. It's just like the Dawson Center. The kids go there, play games, and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, that's my final thoughts on that. Really, I don't know if you any any of the stuff I just said. If you wanted to touch on, you're welcome to. I don't know if you want. To. Uh, no, I'm just. I wanted to. I'm still trying. I want to figure out the name of that. <laughs> that, that oh name. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Google away. Um, it's right there on uh, Biddle. I'm not. Uh, let's get into these good. Let's get into these good vibes. That's right, folks. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes. We're here to inject you with positivity and light waves to really carry you on through the rest of 2020 and get you started in 2021 constantly providing you with the energy that you need uh this week it's really simple um the affirmative murder podcast started a virtual food drive and the goal was set for 500 dollars. in the span of 24 hours we raised a thousand and sixty eight dollars okay i want to give a shout out to every one of our listeners who submitted and, and and donated money uh, that money is going to go to kids. There's going to be kids and, and, and women and, and, and adults who can, get, can eat this, yeah. this this season. You know, like th- that's that's. However, man, I don't know the exact count of how many. I can't like quantify it, but people are not going to go hungry because of that money. You know, no matter. And 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 I had to really think to myself, you know, because when you go on there, you see other like the big this foundation. You know, because you can everybody can do a virtual food drive. Okay. But it's like this company, uh, Baltimore News raised $40,000, which is incredible, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so you, and again, I, I think I discussed on this podcast about, if not on this podcast, just in general in life, like don't, don't try to compare your success to other people's success. Yeah. Your success matters no matter, don't, don't try to compare it in size or anything like your personal achievements are your own personal achievements. This podcast galvanized a pe- people to raise over the goal of $500 and raise a thousand dollars and the goal was from the 6th of this month to December the 6th Dang. to get to $500. Yeah. Within a day, we got over $1,000. And I'm incredibly proud of that. I shared a video on Instagram. I rode past the school. And I ride past the school every Friday. They, It's like, it's a bread line, essentially. I don't know exactly what they give out, but they're feeding people. Because this pandemic has left people without jobs and without, you know, food in their pantry sometimes. And so they have to get into a line and wait in their car to get to the front of the line to yeah, get a so, box of food, you yeah. know what I mean? And then to see people, I'm not I'm not attacking anybody. You happy? You're happy. You ma- you put your mask on, you hit the streets, you were safe, whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but you were in the streets, you celebrated a big time election. It was monumental for a lot of people. Celebration. But in the midst of all that celebrating that was happening and I ride past that fucking line of people who are hungry. Yeah. It was like, what the fuck are we, you know, we got work to do, man. It's no, it's no time to celebrate. Yeah, we got work to do, and that's why I've been saying the message that I've been saying all episode. You know, like whatever energy you have, good or bad, you're upset about the election, you're super excited about the election. What are you gonna do to change the country? Don't depend on Joe Biden, Kamala Harris to to change the country. What are you gonna do to change the country? I challenge anybody listening to this podcast: go out and make a difference in the world for good. You know. Go out, donate some cans to some to some to a food bank. Go don't buy some blankets, give them to some homeless people. It's gonna be cold this season. Yep. You know, whatever. Go volunteer at a food kitchen. I don't even know if that's the thing that's fucking tripping me. I don't even know if that's gonna be a thing this year. You know, all the coronavirus and shit. I don't even know if 
Food kitchen is gonna be different this year. That's what sure. I mean. Like I don't even know if you can go volunteer at a kitchen and feed people. You yeah. know, the soup kitchen. and the restrictions are back. So I don't even. It's gonna. Yeah. This is gonna be a rough one, man. People need us. Like our fellow Americans need us. So I challenge anybody listening to this: go out, and if you have the capabilities to spend money on somebody other than yourself, do it. Yeah. If it's blankets, if it's shoes, if it's hand warmers, if it's cans of soup. Go do it, man. Go make a difference in the world. People need it more than ever right now. And like I said, if you have all this energy lying around and, 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 it's, and it's built up within you, energy is meant to be used and expelled. You know, go use that energy and go out, go forth into the world and and and, and mold a path that you want to see for the future. Okay. So what was the the goal was 500, right? Goal was $500. You got a thousand? Got a thousand and sixty eight dollars. What the rest and of the money go? Not, I'm kidding. It all goes to the same thing. I encourage people <laughs> that the, us going past the goal doesn't mean you can't keep donating. I encourage people if you if you if you come across the link on our social medias, click on it, donate ten dollars if you can. That's dope. They have other options of like you can donate specific amounts of money for specific things. Okay. You can you can donate for I want this to go to juice and water. I want this to go to a whole care package box with spaghetti and sauce and some water and some juice and some cans of soup and that's fifty dollars. Like a box of a box like a supply box of like an assortment. But you can also where is it going? Like where does it to Maryland? The Maryland Food Bank. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So you can do. I want to donate fourteen cans of tuna. Yeah, that's like fifteen dollars or something like that. Some people been doing that and then like bringing it back to like their house and like or like like a lot of people in apartment buildings will. Have it sit out in the in yeah, hallway. Yeah, Sierra was talking about take, something like take, that. Take, yeah. take some. Oh, like or give one, take one to give one. Yeah, yeah, like that's that. beautiful too. Yeah, Sierra, yeah. me and Sierra were talking about because I also on t- I was also having a discussion because we're it's, it's all good vibes, all this stuff, and because I was I was racking my brain, I was trying to come up with like a viral thing, yeah, to make people donate, but like it's fun, yeah, or like you know to make the selfish part of you kick in, yeah, even if you're doing a good thing. So take a picture of you, you know, with a box of cans or yeah. whatever, you know, and, and and hashtag whatever. And I didn't know if that was performative donation, right? Which is like performative activism. Yeah. You, you know, you're taking a picture and you want people to see. And and I posed and I posed the question online and people had their thoughts and, and I and I and I took them in and, and I appreciated them. But no matter what, I'm gonna donate some I'm gonna donate some cans and some, and some food this yeah. season, right? The idea is like, am I gonna take a picture of it and try to galvanize people to do the same, or am I just gonna do it off the strength? Sierra was saying she was gonna take a box to work possibly and just go, hey, if you have any cans laying around, come in when you when I come to help you and you can drop a can off. Yeah. And that would, but I'm also if I can't if that doesn't work, I'm gonna go buy cans. I'm gonna go spend my money buy some. All oh, seems people, I, hell of people got some extra cans. That they oh, I know. Yeah, cans. cream corn. Yeah, you know whatever. Sure. But can of lima beans. I don't know. It, somebody will eat it. I know, you know, what I'm what saying, I, mean? I know. I get it. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming at you. I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying. Somebody, it's shit. It's <laughs> a can of llama beans yeah, will come, come in handy, in, yeah. you know, in times like this. But um, my whole my whole thing llama was. Beans. <laughs> I had some other day. Some llama beans. Yeah, they hit. They hit with the right stuff. They hit. Um, my whole thing was, uh, if I donate cans, a box of cans, no matter how many X amount of cans, and I take a picture of it and put it online, is that the same thing as me filming myself buying a guy a Happy Meal? Is that the same kind of look at me, y'all? I'm doing something good for somebody. If the intention is, I want to activate the selfish part of people's brain to galvanize them to donate. 
even if that's the case, I'm still I still want traction on this thing I'm putting on. I still want people to like it and share it and talk about it. I think it's more effort into that than buying a homeless man me down. Yeah, and 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 somebody brought up a good point about intention. Yeah, my intention, if I was to do this, would be to feed people. Yeah. So that's just something I thought about, and it was just you know my brain goes places. So it's just something I was thinking about. And no matter what, I'm gonna go out on top of this food drive. I'm going to go out and take a donation of some food to a local shelter or whatever. The thing that bummed me out the most was a couple years ago, I did a, the the Santa, the secret Santa yeah. for um, UNICEF, where they got a warehouse full of toys. And then they give you the list of like, you know, Jaquan wants an yeah. MP3 player. And you got to go. It's a whole warehouse full of toys that people donated. Yeah, going in. You got to find it. it and everything like that. I wanted to do something like that this year more on a personal aspect like maybe find a family or something and just buy a couple to- but it's like covid yeah i don't you know you can't just go to somebody's house so it's just i don't know it's crazy times man so i'm just looking for any way i can give back man because i'm fortunate you're fortunate we're a couple people it's a lot of people not as fortunate as us right now that don't have jobs and you know yeah man are wondering what they're going to get their kids for christmas and wondering how they're going to put together a meal for thanksgiving so um all that stuff I'm just I just encourage everybody to keep all that stuff in the perspective and there might be some people listening to this that are in those situations and I want you to know that you know uh, I got nothing but prayers for you if there's anything that I can do if I'm capable of it you can DM me privately and we can talk about something make something happen I don't I don't really know or if you have any suggestions of donation centers or something or something like that I'm just just let let me know um I I, I just want to make a difference however I can um I think that's all I got friend yeah uh, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francis Evans. We'll see you guys next week. Jesus. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.